Welcome to the very first episode of Game Face Freestyle. Our boy Sam is out on vacation and he operates a TriCaster for us. So we're doing things a little bit differently this week, though I think in some ways it'll be good. Uh, we're going to get through a lot more topics than we usually do. Usually we do six topics. This week I think we have like two dozen. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to kind of machine gun through a lot of topics uh, on this week's show. Uh, maybe also cut a little better since it's not being cut together on the fly. We have an editor who's handling this episode. Yeah, so Sam. <laughs> Jeez. So I'm pretty excited. Give us your feedback on this. Let us know what you think. We'll probably do this again next week because I think Sam is, he is gone again? he's yeah. gone again next week. So we'll I'll have it a life. <laughs> what the hell? So at the very least, we're going to do two of these. Uh, maybe it's something we'll come back to later on down the road if you guys really like the new format. But uh, yeah, so this is Game Face Freestyle. So... Matt, Gamescom has been going on all week. Mm. Well, actually, yeah, it has been yeah. all week. The crazy thing about Gamescom this year is that, like, it, the show actually started today. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, over already. Yeah, we know everything. Kind Everything's of, done. Yeah. Like, you know, I had anticipated, like, everything. If you're kind there, of, I'm sure it's cool. you get to play stuff and do oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, like, the show floor is open now. Us. Everyone can go play. But as far as news, like, mm -hmm. it's all done already. So... Uh, you know, I had anticipated today being like the big kickoff and everything, and like it just turned out like I was up late on, I think it was like Tuesday night at midnight, and I was taking care of a couple things on the site, and all of a sudden just boom, <laughs> like the admin just lit up with content because there was like press conferences going on, and uh, Gamescom sucks if you're here because everything starts at midnight Pacific. Yeah. Or 3 a.m. East Coast time, so I've been staying up really late the last few days, uh, what's your your overall impressions of Gamescom so far? Um, it's almost a non-event to me. Like, it there's really very is. little. Like the most excited I've been this week was today when Ubisoft announced that Star Trek Bridge Crew VR was actually coming out this year. Yeah, Ubisoft announced all their VR. Well, there are three or four VR yeah, games. The Eagle thing, and um, what's the other one? Oh, they have like the crazy werewolf like the werewolf thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and uh, Bridge Commander, obviously. Yeah, and the... Um, uh, bridge Crew. Yeah, the uh, Bridge Commander is the other one. Yeah. Old one. <laughs> but the... Uh, and then the... It's interesting that the the Eagle Flight one is... Uh, has sort of a timed Oculus exclusive thing yeah. going on. So it comes out in October on Oculus, but then it comes out on Vive on December 20th. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, just in time. Well, I mean, Barely. it's probably going to be, like, downloadable anyway. Oh, yeah. So that probably should help that a little bit as far yeah. as when it comes out. I mean, I, I played that at E3. It was fine. I don't really feel the need to own it. Yeah. So Bridge Crew is pretty much oh, my, my target. And Werewolf. I mean, I enjoy the Werewolf card game in person. So I probably. I mean, that sounds like a cool way to play it. So I'll yeah. probably look into that. So no. So that's my only big like. Oh, cool! Like news so far. Yeah. Well, last year, you know. Sony dropped out with a press mm. conference, didn't have a press conference last year. This year, no Microsoft or Sony. Um, EA had, like, mm. a fan event, which ended up being this weird kind of thing where people showed up and just kind of milled around, but there wasn't, like, a really attentive crowd, but there was this big stage show going on on stage. Yeah, I don't know. What, well, then Peter Moore had a very weird thing to say. Yeah, so today, Peter Moore, in an interview, I believe, with Eurogamer? I believe. I don't the remember interview. who it was. I, I can't remember who, who sourced it. I believe it was Eurogamer. But uh, I was too busy going, what, why? Yeah, so today Peter Moore basically said that he thinks the day of the press conference is over. 
I mean, if I was putting on EA's press conferences, I might think that too. Because <laughs> EA has failed so miserably. Keeping it 100. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, EA's track record with its press conferences are generally the most boring and dull of all the E3 yeah. press conferences. I mean, so. if they made if the, all the press conferences were more like Sony's, or at least like weird and disturbing like Ubisoft's. Or like Konami's like, classic <laughs> press conference. I mean, I mean, EA doesn't even have anything that I can point to and say I hated that. It was just, yeah. it was just an hour and a half of time that I guess I don't even remember how long it was. At least, like, at least Ubisoft like made Pactor hate it. Right. You know, like, like you got you got, <laughs> you got was, a reaction. We there remember was some it. Some kind of response from yeah. it, other than like nothing. Yeah. Like the main, the most memorable thing about EA is they didn't show Mass Effect Andromeda to the point right. we wanted to see it. Yeah. So, like, I guess I can see why the EA would think that that's a diminishing return. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to how powerful E3 is in terms of determining the future of the future kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, it, but it in terms doesn't determine hardly anything. But in terms of like targeting like this is where we get like all our new stuff as I mean mainly Sony and Microsoft I guess, but this is where I get, I get all our new stuff like targeted at the mainstream press. At the BBC, at uh, you know every major outlet that no- normally doesn't put video games on the front page or the top of the top of the hour, like that's still your opportunity. And if you in putting it all in one little convenient hour package is still probably worth it, I would think. Well, what Peter Moore said basically was that they're going to err on the side of more fan-oriented events, like what they did at E3 when they mm-hmm. didn't have the booth and they had their own little event a block or two away from the convention center. He said that that's what they're going to lean towards doing, and he believes the rest of the industry is going to follow suit. I personally think it's a terrible idea. Um, you need the spectacle. I mean, the other thing, too, like I noticed about EA's thing at Gamescom was that no one cared. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, we had curated the live stream, and it was also confusing because they had, like, one master live stream, but then they had separate streams for each game. So in the master stream, they went through all the games, but then like a stream would pop up just for Titanfall 2 that only lasted during the Titanfall 2 section of the press conference, and it became really splintered and kind of confusing. Like some people, like the timing was weird. It's like, you know, when you do that stuff, you got to make sure that you're hitting your times exactly, because if you tell people to show up at noon for a Titanfall 2 thing, mm-hmm. and you're talking about Battlefield 1 before Titanfall 2 and it runs over a little bit, then all of a sudden, you know, all the people sitting there waiting on that stream for Titanfall 2 are like, what the hell's going on? So I feel like it muddies the the message that you're trying to send. I think it makes it difficult for people like us and people who play games to tune in and know when to tune in. Mm. Um, I mean, we literally had like four or five live streams pinned to the top of everyone's sifts for like three hours. And then like they would end and like it was just... I mean, I can see why you wouldn't think that was, a, you know, depending on how much those things cost, it would be worth it at that event, especially yeah. if they have nothing new and amazing to really show. You're both mostly recycling the content you showed at your, your fan event at E3, except yeah. for the Titanfall 2 stuff, which is right. new. Um, so why not? I mean, to some degree. But, like, it's always going to be beneficial, even if they switch to a Nintendo Direct style of thing, to, like, kind of have... Like, uh, a, like a, a pre produced sort of like, even if it's that, but it's just like a way to like be like here's all the stuff. Yeah. Here's a here's a taste of everything we're doing. All the new things, all the all the stuff that we've seen before, but now we're showing new new uh, elements or new footage or new gameplay. Um, and then from there, you can kind of decide what live stream stuff you want to you know really zero in on. But having it just be that live stream stuff seems like a, like too scattered to me. Yeah, it feels like, to me, Gamescom this year is a non-event. 
Yeah. Um, it's just a... Uh, well, it seems like the companies knew that going in, too. I mean, one thing I would say, to be fair, is that EA actually did show new stuff. It was all mm. from games that, you know, we, we know and have been announced for a long time. But they did show, like, you know, tons of Titanfall 2 yeah. multiplayer. Um, they announced the beta that's launching tomorrow for everybody. Mm -hmm. Everyone will be able to jump on and play Titanfall 2 over the weekend multiplayer. Uh, they showed tons of Battlefield stuff that they hadn't shown before. But them and everybody else, it was all games that we knew about. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get excited for that. If you're just someone on Sifted, you know, there's tons of new trailers, but there are trailers for games that there's already five or six trailers for. Or in the case of a game like Mafia 3, there's already, like, 20 or 30 trailers right. for it. So hard to get excited. I don't blame you, Sifters, for not getting really pumped up over Gamescom. Um, but it's a weird sort of limbo position the industry's in right now in general. Just like everybody's waiting for the VR stuff to launch. Everybody's waiting for the, you know, the, the .5 systems to launch. Everybody, you know, Nintendo's waiting to show anything for the new system. Like, yeah. It really feels like, you know, we've, I think I've said it before, but it feels like it's this, this period from like maybe June to December is kind of like it's between breaths. Yeah. Like, you're really waiting for everything to finally happen. Yeah. I think the problem for Gamescom, I don't think it's going to ever become irrelevant or no. they're going to end it. It's not going to happen. Just by the size and the accessibility to the public, I don't think it can become irrelevant. That, that's the key, the access yeah. to the public. As long as I keep doing that, I think it's going to keep going on. I think what you might see, though, as time goes on is big outlets sending less people. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the thing that's happened with Tokyo Game Show over the last 10 to 15 years. It's like... You know, when we got into the industry, it was mm -hmm. huge, and we'd go, and it was packed to the gills, but over time, less and less press started going, less and less PR people from the U.S. started stop, you know, start, were going, so it became a non-event, and I think if Gamescom keeps walking down this path, we may see a place where IGN isn't doing, like, three or four days of live broadcasting from mm -hmm. there every day like they're doing right now. Um, and you're not going to see some of the smaller outlets that aren't as big as IGN sending five and six guys out to Gamescom anymore. Um, I know sitting here and just using Sifted, I really feel no need to have gone there. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot there that we can't experience. And, too, and I think another element is that, you know, everyone's getting to play these games now. So before, the big draw was like, well, I can go there and I can play and experience these games that I won't be able to experience anywhere else. But it's like Titanfall 2. We're all going to play it tomorrow before mm -hmm. Gamescom's even over. Battlefield 1 has a beta coming up. Um, Call of Duty does betas. It's like... I don't know. It's really interesting to see the shift. Back to what Peter Moore was saying, I really don't think that press conferences are going away. I, Not the E3 ones. I, I agree think. with you that you know, it could be a case where they start doing pre-produced ones and just kind of stream mm -hmm. that pre-produced thing that they do. Um, but not even at E3, I don't think. I no. mean, E3, it's about the spectacle. That's how you get the major outlets there, the Yahoo's and the USA Today's and, and know, CNN. And, and, and there was a lot of talk you know, that he, about, you know, well, you got to fly in all these people and do all this. It's like, yeah, but so much business gets done at E3. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, you, I, I still feel like most companies... That most people don't know about. Yeah, oh yeah. Because all these Buying, I mean, it, it's a business conference above yeah. all else. And, like, I still feel like, like comp major companies manage to kill so many birds with that one E3 stone yeah. that the expense is going to remain worth it for at least the foreseeable future until things become very different, which they might. I mean, we've seen things become very different at least three times in our own careers. Yeah. But um, that, next, that next leap hasn't happened yet. Yep. I, think, I think it's a premature statement. So let's talk about some of the stuff that was shown at Gamescom. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we're not going to make you guys wait all the way to the end of the show to hear us talk about Metal Gear Survive. <laughs> <laughs> First Metal Gear game without Kojima at the helm. It is not a full price game. They said it's going to be sold at a discount, like half price. Mm. It's a four player cooperative stealth action game. Action survival game. Something along yeah. those lines. In which the 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 characters who were not killed at the end of Metal Gear Solid Five get sucked through a dimensional vortex and end up in a world where they have to fight crystalline zombies. And my first reaction to that was, I don't know if that's too weird or not as weird as usual for this series. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's definitely a different weird. Yeah. Um, and my initial reaction is like, nah. <laughs> like, I, like, people post that Matrix gif all the time of like, you know, not like this. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's kind of where I am with that. I, and, I, and my other question is like, who's making it? Yeah. I mean, they, there is no developer no. that's been announced yet. And, you know, we added the game on Sifted. I was like, I guess we'll just leave this field blank. Yep. or just put Konami in there. Metal Gear Survive. Yeah, I mean... Good luck. My initial reaction was the same as yours. I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like, this is supposed to be a Metal Gear game. And look, it's pretty obvious that they just have this project that they're going to slap the name on. Mm -hmm. So people actually have maybe a little bit of interest in it when otherwise maybe they wouldn't. But I'm also, you know, I've, I've said before on the show, I'm not of the camp of people who looks at games, and I've said this with, like, Metroid Prime Federation Force. Like, I don't immediately just dislike a game because they've put an IP's name on it and it has nothing to do with the IP. And, and this is obviously a perfect case of that. Um, you know, I'm willing to give it a fair shake, and, you know, it's kind of stupid, and it's pretty much an obvious cash grab what Konami's doing with the game. But if the game's good, you know, I'm not going to hate on it just because it has the Metal Gear name on it. I'm just more interested in who's making it. Yeah. Like that, that's like, I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, well, remember a while back, Konami announced that it was shopping around for developers to work mm -hmm. on Metal Gear. We never heard anything about that afterwards, but... Makes you wonder what they're doing to Castlevania back there. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly shocked. First of all, this game comes out within a year, mm -hmm. which is crazy. I guess if it's so just... So some, someone was already working on it somewhere. For a while. And maybe they were even working on it. Maybe this is what happened with the whole Kojima thing. Maybe... Konami had some studio working mm. on this before Kojima left, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't do that." Or maybe like, he was working on it, and like, there's there it, maybe it, maybe it's maybe it's. I think that's highly unlikely, though. It could be recycled cut content, like yeah. with some tw some tweaks to it. Like clearly, there was a lot left on the cutting room floor for Metal Gear Solid oh, yeah. Five. Maybe they're just taking, oh, this is an idea they were going to do. Let's just sort of polish it up a little bit and call it its own game. And there you go. You know, we'll just okay, we'll just have it be zombies uh, instead because. When you think about it, it's not that different from like the the possessed soldiers in Five. So maybe it's basically just a reskin of some multiplayer concept. My fear is that it turns out just like Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but what Capcom did was when they first announced the game, it was called Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles. And then as Umbrella Core, oh Umbrella Core, yeah. sorry. And as time Umbrella went... Chronicles is a light gun game, right? Right, which was pretty good. Which wasn't, wasn't bad, yeah. yeah. But as time went on and they saw the fan feedback, you know, what I was saying earlier about the fans complaining that, hey, mm -hmm. you tacked this name onto it or whatever, eventually that Resident Evil moniker went away. Mm -hmm. So by the time the game was reviewed, it was just called Umbrella Core, and it wasn't called Resident Evil at all. And, and it won't show up in your Resident Evil Metacritic searches. Right, and, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if that might be the same tact that Konami is taking with this, that it may mm -hmm. eventually drop the Metal Gear moniker, but at the same time... It's Survive. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> is there a game called Survive yet? There must be. You would think, yeah, but I must, can't remember I, I'm one. I'm sure it's early access on Steam somewhere. <laughs> 
since 2012. Yeah, but I was just shocked in the first place that Konami, one, is actually going ahead with the Metal Gear game, two, what the game was, and three, that it's coming out so soon. Yeah. I mean, I figured they would show this maybe at Tokyo Game Show, and then it would be a year and a half afterwards, but... I hope you play Pachinko on the load screens. <laughs> That would be what it takes to get uh, Japanese players to buy another Metal Gear game, man. <laughs> Sales there are really bad right now. So, right now for me, I'm kind of ambivalent to the whole thing. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm perfectly willing to just consider the Metal Gear Solid series over. Yeah. Whatever they put out, you know, I don't. Even if they do put out like a proper Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a giant fan of the Metal Gear games to begin with. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they might put out a, one that I find more palatable than Kojima's weird shit. Or what if they got Naughty Dog to work on a Metal Gear and made it exclusive to PlayStation no. platforms or whatever? Okay, well, what if they cloned a dinosaur as long as we're, <laughs> as long as we're talking about... Yeah, yeah. But I think that's what it's going to take, honestly, to... One, for me personally, to have any interest in another Metal Gear game is for them to find a developer with a pedigree. Yeah. They're just like, hey, we whipped up this new studio to make this game. Like, that's to me, is really yeah. bad. Well, I mean, you can just go to Platinum. They, they'll make anything <laughs> for the right amount of money, apparently. Yeah, you're right. But they did those... to do a pretty good Metal Gear game. A very yeah. different Metal Gear game, but I liked Revengeance. Chances are, we're probably going to like Revengeance more than Survive. Yeah, I would be surprised if, if, if that wasn't the case. But, you know, every once in a while they pull out a pretty good thing. And a lot of times, even the mediocre Platinum games have a lot more depth than you think they do. Oh, for sure. There's yeah. a guy going, uh, God, I can't remember his name now on YouTube, but he's, he's putting up um, these really in-depth videos of Transformers Devastation. Like, each video d- like details a very specific element. He's, like, gone through and, like, got, like, hit stagger data for every imaginable situation, for every enemy type. And, like, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that game didn't, like, really set my yeah. world on fire at all, even though I like the art style and the, the homages and stuff. But I'm looking at this. this that game is, like... It's like the Marianas Trench of like character action fighting yeah. licensed robot games. I like, feel I feel sad when crazy. I think about that guy though. It's like, <laughs> why would you dedicate so much time to this? Is what like is that? he's a platinum? He's, I can't remember his YouTube name, but he it's does like, like fan he's a platinum huge platinum fan, and he's just doing. And I'm like, oh, that's why that because there's like little things he he has in these videos that explain like these quirks that I couldn't figure out when I played the game. I'm like, oh, that's why that's like that. Yeah. And it's, it actually made me want to go back and play it again. Because I'm like, oh, now that I know this, I bet I could do a lot better at some of these things. And uh, so, yeah, even even on their kind of what could have been a throwaway license game, Platinum does put a lot of thought into these things. So I guess if you're really down to the wire on hiring a mercenary crew to, like, make a new Metal Gear game, I guess Platinum would be yeah, pretty, sort of the choice. direction it could take. And they have experience with it. Yeah. I mean, they've they with making Kojima bigger before. games as well. Yeah. Um, not just little... Because, I mean, Transformers was a pretty small game. But. Yeah. But they've made Revengeance, and they've made uh, stuff for Nintendo, and they've made st- uh, the Bayonettas, and, yeah. I mean, there's, there's Pedigree, and, you know, they've made the, uh, you know, Okami is, you know, that's basically the people who made Okami. Yeah, yeah. Still. It's a robust so, game. Yeah. yeah. So they certainly have the chops to pull it off. So maybe, but I feel like that would be a little more effort than and money than Konami is probably willing to put towards this. They just want the money, the money that the name can make them. So I'm sure we'll keep an eye on it. We, we, but, we'll do this in the last time we'll be talking about this game on no. Game Face. I can't wait for the first screens. Where you're yeah. Like, oh. Well, there are screenshots. Out oh, there are. Yeah, I they put see. out like three of them last night. Mm. Yeah, they're none of them look that great though. No. And none of them you'd ever guess they're a Metal Gear game by looking at the screenshots. Not even the like they don't even show the characters. No, like, like no they're always like behind the headshots um, or whatever. So yeah, 
We'll see. I'm sure we'll get a lot more. Maybe at Tokyo Game Show, as I mentioned before, which is just a month away. So yeah. maybe they'll have a playable on the show for you, and you never know. Well, they do seem to be further ahead than we would have thought. Yep. So let's move on to from a game that we didn't like to a game that got me really excited with this Gamescom showing, and that game is Ukulele. Oh my gosh, that trailer came out at like 2.30 in the morning and I yelled so loud watching it that I woke my wife up. Like, So we've seen this game for a while. Obviously it's by Playtonic, a bunch of guys who used to be work with Rare. Uh, they're reviving the 3D pl platformer franchise. All the stuff we've seen in this game so far has been like dev stuff. Like mm -hmm. we'd see the characters running around in this generic like jungle world. Right. Um, more recently, we got to look at like the toy box, which is just like this little side mode or whatever. Gamescom is the first time they've shown the game in earnest. They put out a trailer that looked like it could have been a trailer for Banjo-Kazooie back in the 90s or whatever. It showed a wide swatch of gameplay. And to me, it looks absolutely incredible. I was over the moon watching this. Like, you know, Ratchet & Clank, they actually mentioned in an interview today that uh, the sales of Ratchet & Clank and the reception of the Ratchet & Clank remaster have emboldened them and made them feel positive that the game has a chance to do really well. Mm -hmm. um, for me, watching the trailer for this game from Gamescom, it, I am beyond sold on this game at this point. Um, it was also curious to see how much of it is done. Uh, it looks like you know there's a level that people are allowed to play at Gamescom, and uh, it looks like the level is finished and it's ready to play. Uh, I watched a couple different playthroughs of it, like one time one person went one way and another time another person went another way and they ended up doing completely entirely different things in the same level so it's got that bkbt kind of level design and vibe mm -hmm. to it uh i am really stoked there's a minecart level <laughs> very much like donkey kong country a nod to like some of their prior games um, as far as i'm concerned if there's one game that after its gamescom showing went up the most for my excitement and hype it was definitely ukulele did you get a chance to check it out at all? I didn't, but it's pretty much on my 100% going to play list already. I mean, just those guys. I love Banjo. I love Banjo Kazooie. I thought Banjo Tooie was a little much. Oh yeah, it was um, hardcore, dude. And I didn't like Donkey Kong Country uh, or Donkey Kong 64 because a I don't particularly like Donkey Kong, and b uh, the fade in on the objects killed me because yeah. you can't couldn't just look up and see no, the right. banana. You're right. You had to actually go up there and see if there was a banana there. And sometimes you're wasting your time, and I That's hated where that. That's where they had pushed it too yeah. far. And switching I mean, that and splitting the... Banjo Kazooie up into five different characters with the same moves essentially. Yeah. It was I, I, I thought it was annoying. And well, they required the RAM expansion for that, yeah. right? Yeah. And it still didn't it help still the drawing. Yeah. Um, imagine you imagine that think you know, 20 years ago you had to worry about they had to worry about like oh I don't know if the system's powerful enough to draw the banana yeah. across the level <laughs> so you can see it. it's it's crazy now i did play donkey kong 64 all the way to the end and i had i finished the whole game at like 99.9 percent .9%. there was one objective i never managed to complete hmm. i just could never do it i tried it hundreds and hundreds of times and never figured it out and managed to do it my it main issue with banjo like tooie oh i i think i stalled out on tooie on that um the 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 mountain that was like half cold half hot yeah, yeah. I don't remember what the, what that was called um, but there was a point at which I'm just like I don't even know where I am anymore I don't know and the, my main problem with that game actually was that you would constantly run into situations where I wasn't sure if like I needed a, a move because there was constantly that thing where like you there were things where you couldn't do it because you had to 
get a move in a later level and come yeah. back to get it. Yeah. And I was never quite sure if this required a move I didn't have or if I was just doing it wrong. Yeah. And, and I just got tired of that ambiguity. Of getting an item and figuring out the world was so big, figuring out how to get oh, back right. to where you needed to go. This is like before there were like warp pads everywhere mm-hmm. and like I mean, I think there actually were warp pads in there. There were game, warp pads in there, yeah. But it was so confusing, the world, it was just like spaghetti. Yeah. And like, it was, you know, back, now there's like waypoints that show you mm-hmm. how to go where you need to go. Like, maps. you get something, <laughs> and instantly there's a little waypoint showing you how to get, exactly go back and use it. Or the main thing, like, not back then. You forget about the N64, where like, you couldn't just turn and like, you know, and I've, I've had this happen a couple times in, you know, No Man's Sky or The Witcher or whatever. Like, you're like, okay, you turn and then you can see. Where you where need you to go, go. Yeah. Uh, the fu- and like on the, <laughs> the N64, it's like no, it's just sort of a flat plane of <laughs> like maybe you can see sort of the the hill of the geography, but you can't see built like buildings haven't drawn in. There's nothing it, there, yeah. yeah. And even though the the you know Banjo Tooie was probably one of the better draw distance games like yeah. on that system, also ran at like 18 frames. A oh god, remember, like, <laughs> the people freaking out about 60 frames per second or death oh, these days. Yeah. I'm just like man. <laughs> Like, the idea of a steady frame rate was ridiculous back then. Like, yeah. like you, I'm thinking well, about, like, playing Foundry did, Turok uh, 2 on the N64 with the RAM expansion pack, yeah. and it's just like, no, nah, it's like, what? You get, like, 12, 13 frames a second out of that? You're like, oh, this is great. Like, well, this Digital is perfect. Foundry just went back and did a retro thing on GoldenEye 007 mm. for the N64. I don't know if you watched it or not. But it bottoms out at times at like 10 or 11 yep. frames a second on some of those levels. So. And Perfect Dark was worse. It was worse, yeah. Even with, with If you didn't have the RAM expansion, you couldn't really even play the game no. with Perfect Dark. So. And then with Perfect... And like, I remember, because we played GoldenEye a ton yeah. on you know, multiplayer. Everybody did, yeah. And then Perfect Dark came along and like we were having trouble because like you know, guys who were like perfect on GoldenEye could like, you know, one-shot you from across the map on the whatever... The, like the frame rate would vary so much in multiplayer that like they would miss the they'd scroll pa- basically they'd aim past the target because they like okay they know like okay now that I'm rotating towards this I have to stop rotating but the game's frame rate like would skip and they like miss they, their reticle would go past what they were trying to shoot at and yeah. they couldn't the, like I remember I remember one of our one of our regular players was like I can't be good at this. Like, it was like he just like the, it was so choppy. He was just de- he was determined. He's like, I can't be good at it. And then like he and then he decided that it was better with the frame rate. The frame rate was better when you turned all the bells and whistles off and didn't use the expansion pack features. But then there were other people in the group who were like, No, it looks ugly now, and I want to play it looking pretty. And right. like no one could agree on that. And I guess that's really the same argument that's happening now. It is between yeah. the sixty and thirty people. No, you're right. So I think Rare has heard all this. Oh yeah. And so I'm pretty confident. They know, probably knew it before they shipped it. Right. I mean, you just—that's just the tech they were working with. And I'm pretty confident that they've listened to all this feedback. And again, these guys aren't rare anymore, but they worked there for decades or whatever. I'm pretty confident that Platonic has listened to all this stuff and are going to give us a game that's probably some, around BK, mm-hmm. uh, but then address a lot of the the sort of uh, modernization of video games that's happened over the last ten years because it's been a while since they've made a game like this. So. Yeah. I'm excited for ukulele. I don't know about y'all. Been a long time since we've seen a rock with googly eyes on it. Yeah, or any inanimate <laughs> object with eyes on it. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about uh, one of the bigger reveals for Injustice so far. Uh, they showed off Harley Quinn and Deadshot not for the surprising. first time. Um, yeah, not surprising at all. Harley Quinn obviously is in Suicide Squad right now. The timing mm-hmm. for, was perfect, obviously, for them to show her off for the first time. Did you get to watch that at all? A little bit. Because uh, I'm, I'm not... 
keeping up with that game too much. I'm surprised to hear that. I don't really care. Why is that? Um, well, A, because I feel like... Um, well, the DC just doesn't particularly do it for me these days. Like, you know, not modern stuff. And, like, the, that original teaser was, like... Like, it was well-produced, but I'm just like, it's really dark, and everyone's wearing Tron armor, and I don't, I don't get what you're doing. Like, the, the mechanics aren't very interesting, and I just sort of... I'm kind of over the modern Netherrealm formula. Yeah. Because um, it is a template that they've been yeah. snapping things into for six or seven, maybe more yeah. than that. And I will probably well, play it. Years. Like, you know, when, when the time comes, I will probably play it, just because it's a fighting game, and that's what I do. Um, but I... Like, I'm just sort of like, it's like, oh, okay, Harley Quinn and Dead Shudder in it, great. Like, it's just yeah. like, you know, whatever. Like, and, and of course, Harley Quinn, I don't care too much. I love Harley Quinn in the animated series. Don't care too much for the, like, crazy, over-the-top sex pot portrayal of her that, like, dominates the modern version of the character that kind of started in the Arkham games. Yeah. Um, uh, although she's a great, great character in the Injustice comic series, which is like, they, did, they did a comic series yeah. based on Injustice that kind of covers the the story between Superman killing the Joker and Superman being the ruler of the world that you know is the plot of the game, and it's great. Like it's really good. Like they they found a way to make this like ridiculous fighting game like premise <laughs> like work from a character perspective and they you see it never really done in a fighting it, game yet. no but like it, it's it's if you can find the injustice comic like it's really good i think like, i got issue one whenever the first mm-hmm. one came out they sent it out with the game yeah like the first i've read the first two or three years i think i i, I lost track of it around there but like like they really like figure out a way to make these characters go from point a to point b that i'm just like wow i wouldn't have thought and like they're they're kind of like they're kind of allowed to take the gloves off because it's not in the con- main continuity. So yeah. they do some pretty daring stuff here and there, and it was it's it's solid. Um, so if they if they can kind of incorporate that into the game, that'd be cool. I mean, we haven't seen a ton about the story mode, but yeah, Everyone's I mean, gushing over here's Harley your Suicide Quinn. Squad characters. Yeah. yeah, everyone's gushing over Harley Quinn, but based on that trailer, like I thought, Deadshot looked like the more interesting character to play as in the game because mm. well, he uses his guns and his weapons, and I, I think. In general, fighting game people don't quite trust gun characters, yeah, at this, yeah. especially like because early on they tend to be really good, yeah. and then they Nerf tend them. to or they or if people figure out, oh, it's actually really simple to get around this. We just so like that happened with uh, Deathstroke yeah. in in Justice One. It happened with Deadpool early on in Marvel vs. Capcom Three, uh, and Dante to some degree. Yeah. It was it was like. So I think there's sort of this, well, we'll believe that when we see it. But whereas Harley is a more traditional melee kind of thing, and she's got a lot of weird tricks to her, and, and she's, you know, this, the animation's really good. She's, you know, her personality comes through in her attacks. Like, it's, you know, you know it, it, whether you like the modern version of that character or not, they nail the character in how she's portrayed and how she fights. So, like, that's, I think, what people are looking for the most in this game. And the NetherRealm's doing a good job, and the character models look much, much better. Wonder Woman in the first Injustice was famous for being one of the most horrendously ugly character models for a woman ever in fighting games, and now it looks, they look very, very, very much better. And I wouldn't say great yet, but they're they're improving. So uh, yeah, I'm interested to see some of the more obscure characters as they come along. I mean, we've yeah. seen quick flashes of Black Manta. I mean, Deadshot's pretty obscure. Not anymore. He's in he's in Suicide Squad. Right, he's right. The star. You know, Will, anyone Will Smith plays is no longer obscure. That's <laughs> that's right. one of my Hollywood rules. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was pretty obscure until now, yeah. if you hadn't played Arkham City, basically. Um, and uh, I always used to confuse him with Deathstroke. 
him and Deathstroke yeah, were always yeah. the two They're I would similar, I'd mix yeah. up. Um, very similar names as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, so I'm looking, like, I mean, we've seen like Black Manta and some of the, like, what people thought were a stage transition. I was like, oh, I don't know if he's playable or whatever. It was like, now it turns out Black Manta is the uh, villain in the Aquaman movie coming up. And so maybe Black Manta is in this game. And the idea that Black Manta would oh, be a playable I would character. Oh, he'll be in the game. Yeah, the idea that Black Manta would be a playable character in, the, in, a, in a game is crazy. That's like, DC, though. I mean... It doesn't have the roster right. of heroes that Marvel has. So. No, but it's just like... do the best it can with what It's like got. you've got the Trinity, and then you've got the rest of the Justice League, and then you've got thousands of things no one's ever they heard of, and that's yeah. pretty much how it goes. But uh, I always liked Black Manta, just because he was the he was the Aquaman bad guy in Super Friends, and he had like the cool kind of like helmet voice. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, cool, that's, that's, all he, that's all I needed when I was seven, <laughs> you know? So we talked about a game that I felt where my hype went way up uh, based upon its Gamescom showing. Now we're going to talk about a game that for me personally, I felt like after seeing what was shown at Gamescom, I'm nowhere near as excited for... I think I know what this one is. This game is Resident Evil 7. Have you watched that new gameplay clip that they just posted? Yeah, that's... um, That's... I I had a bunch of people (laughs) text me. And say like what hap- like what's going on like with with that and like like it looks it looks almost like a PS2 game. Oh, it looks so bad. Play. It's it's and look, I've seen already seen. And a I know it's got to be VR PSVR capable, and you can't quite go, you can't blow the Uncharted four doors off when you do that. But wow. Oh, I've already seen apologists online saying, oh, that's like their VHS filter that they're throwing over top of it mm. and found footage style, and if you actually. When they take that off, the game's going to look great. I'm not so certain about that, people. Like, I don't know about that. I don't either. Like that, I mean, I think the problem is is that they built it from the beginning for VR. And I don't even know that they did build it from the beginning for VR. I think what happened was they built that quick and dirty kitchen demo, and the response to it was so amazing. They're like, okay, well, this is our next Resident Evil. Instead of saying, okay, that's a proof of concept, and then going back and starting from scratch to build Resident Evil 7, it looks like they just used that engine they used for Kitchen, mm-hmm. and we're like, this is good enough. And look, it may be a technical thing um, where they're like, look, we have to develop for the lowest common denominator, which is PlayStation VR. And it is kind of PlayStation VR's flagship game. So maybe that's sort of the reasoning behind the whole thing. But most people, one, are not going to play this game in VR. Most people are going to play this game traditionally the way they've always played a Resident Evil game, and the game looks dreadful. Mm-hmm. I mean dreadful. I mean, it's above PS2. But it's like early Xbox 360. Yeah. I mean, obviously it runs, like it, I it, hope, it, it, it actually, resolution. It actually did remind me a little bit of Condemned. Yeah, that's a good way to put yeah. it. Um, what do you think of the game? Obviously, the graphics engine, we're not, neither one of us are fans of. What mm-hmm. do you think about the actual gameplay of what they showed there? I mean, it's not, like, too far off of, like, a lo- like other sort of, like, explore the area, almost walking simulator stuff I've seen for, like, the Vive in yeah. VR. Um, and some of that's pretty fun. So, like, but like you say, it really is starting to feel like if you don't play this game in VR, you are going to be missing, like, 80% of the experience. Like, I don't know if this is going to be worth it to just play on your TV. Because it's real. it really seems to be, be- banking on the idea that you are immersed and present in this place. Yeah. And I don't know if this is going to, you know, I mean, it varies from player to player. But I don't know if this, this game is going to pull that off just watching on screen. Because watching the trailer, I'm just like, okay, 
I get they're trying, you know, they're trying to reinvent it as more of a, a puzzly sort of slower paced game without as much like you know crazy shotgun combat and all that. Yeah. Because they it's all uh, about tension. It appears right. because the demo that they show and you're seeing it right. But now. they've never been good at that. Yeah. You it's know, like hide and seek. What they show. Like Silent in Hill used to be the tension game. Yeah. And Resident Evil was like, oh, we got to blow stuff's heads off. Yeah. You know, even in the old games, it was Resident like Evil went more for like gore. Right. It was gross. It was yeah. a gross-out game, or like it was a jump scare kind of thing, and a shark popping out of the water, and that kind of thing. And you know, I get they're trying to do more of a Silent Hill kind of thing with this. It looks like to me, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's not obviously not the same people that made the old Resident Evil games, but like that's a harder thing to do, I think. And yeah. it, it's going to live or die on execution. And so far, the execution does not impress me. Yeah, I mean, I felt like. I was on edge watching that demo, and I had put headphones on because I feel like with games like that, audio is a big mm-hmm. part of it. And, you know, it wasn't, like, all cut up like a trailer. It was just like, here's this section of the game. We're going to play it. And uh, I kind of appreciate that. I feel like that's the right way to market a game like that instead mm-hmm. of trying to make it all look fa- And I'm wondering if there's anything fancy to see in this game at this well, point. Yeah. I mean, all we've seen so far is, like, a cabin and running from that cabin to other cabins. Um I feel like the tension looks like it's okay, uh, but I don't know. It certainly doesn't look like or appear to play like a Resident Evil game. No, it but looks that's more what like an people Outlast have been kind of asking thing. for for a long time. Mm. After Resident Evil Six, everyone's like, "All right, it's time to rip up the script and start over." And Capcom did do that, so it is kind of listening to fans. I don't know if it's the right direction. Yeah, I don't know if this is what people were expecting or wanting, but which can be okay. Yeah, I mean, it's better than another. You know, rocky, weird, like action romp. Yeah. Through the increasingly convoluted story, nobody cares right, about. Right. We're headed in five, and yeah. well, ultimately with well, six. six for yeah. sure. I mean, man. Five had its moments where it was kind of like the old Resident Evil, or at least like Resident Evil Four. Here and there, six yeah. was six was a different series. It was just almost. an action yeah, game, was, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it was an action game with a giraffe getting a blowjob on the cover. That was, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who let that six through, but that's yeah. what I see every time I see that logo. Well, the other thing too is that this game comes out in like five or six months. Yeah. I mean, like you maybe, can't you can't get away from the whole like oh maybe it's just not polished. Yeah, it's like nah, this thing's coming up. This which thing. maybe dispels my theory that you know they built off of Kitchen because mm-hmm. if that's the case, I don't feel like they would have had enough time to get this game done. Yeah. yeah. So my other question is, how long is this thing? You know. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking this is like a three, four-hour game. It's a VR game. It makes me nervous. Anytime something is a VR game, I get nervous. because mm. If something has a VR element to it, because most of the VR experiences are experiences and not real games at this mm. point. So I hope this isn't like some goofy, like, three or four-hour thing that, like, they found some way to encourage you to try to play it over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be really disappointed if that were the case. But, but I'm wondering, like, you know, is there more to it? Because I know Sony does have this thing going where, like, some of their games are, like, intentionally making you take the headset off. Right. Because they don't want you to play it forever in the headset. Like, uh, uh, that Gollum game yeah. is, like, you only put the headset on when you're controlling the Gollum for shorter periods of time. Yeah. So I wonder if there's like other things in this game. That's or really is... annoying by the way. Yeah. Like, who wants to keep taking it off and putting it back on and taking yeah, it off? Yeah, well especially like... because like, you know, it doesn't include, you know, the headphones are a separate, you know, that's right. true on the Vive as well, but like getting the, the PlayStation VR thing on is a, is a process. It you is, know, you yeah. You gotta get the thing on and you get the headphones on and you gotta find your controller and you gotta, sure and you gotta right do that. 
and um, you know, and, and it's not like crazy, but but it's like it's a break in the gameplay that sort of puts you back on the couch yeah. real quick, and that's sort of a weird. But also like. I've been in that thing for hours at a time, and I'm fine. Like, is it, you, yeah, know, you don't, you don't need, need you don't need to break. You know, <laughs> I don't need to come out. I mean, you know, that's what I love about the vibe is it's like, no, all the menus in here, you never need to take it off. Yeah, like, as long as you have a camera facing out, so yeah. you can see, you can flip it on and see what's going on around you. Like, there's really no reason to. Yeah, I don't think if I it's have comfortable that. anyway. Yeah, well, until it gets too hot. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on. Let's talk mm-hmm. about South Park: The Fractured Butthole. Mm-hmm. It's very important how you. Accentuate the syllables in the title of this game. Uh, it's big coming out party was Gamescom. This is one mm-hmm. game that really we got to see way, way more of it than we had ever seen before. Um, they also announced right before the show this crazy, like, apparatus that you strap onto your face that makes you smell farts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they put out a trailer for it, and I would check the date. I'm like, it's not April 1st. I'm like... Yeah. That's weird, but it still seemed completely fake to me. Like, I thought it was just a joke. It's a South Park game. I'm like, you know, it's just some little spoofy thing that they're doing for it or whatever. No, it's real, dude. Like, at Gamescom, people are playing the game with this gas mask on their face that emits fart smells. (laughs) Sure, why not? I don't think they've said yet whether or not, like, it's going to actually, like, the only thing left for VR. I'll strap that on, put the headphones on. The, I mean, you can, your whole face is going to be covered <laughs> with something. Like sensory input. Yeah. Do you have like a haptic feedback haptic suit? Haptic feedback on. suit. You're running like, yeah. on like a treadmill. It's like just go outside at this yeah. point and have somebody fart in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Easily available on the streets of Los Angeles <laughs> or San Francisco. Uh, but let's talk about the game because they sh- they've shown now tons of gameplay, not like trailers. They did have a trailer, which is mm. great, but. Not just cut together like montages mm-hmm. or whatever, chunks of gameplay. Uh, they've shown the first 20, 30 minutes of the game. Um, they've shown, you know, selecting your class and things like that. What do you think of it so far? Um, I mean, I like it. And, uh, you know, I like the first one. And uh, I, my favorite thing about this uh, is, you know, now one of the big things is you can your characters can move on the battlefield. Like, there's positional combat, like, strategies and stuff. And I'm like... You're using the South Park brand to trick people into playing a strategy RPG. Yeah, that's really funny yeah, to me. Yeah. Like this is, and this is a genre that like you couldn't sell for free oh, for it years is like the and years of the and core years. games. Yeah. yeah, and like, and here you are. So like, as long as you put farts and South Park in it, Sold. and do some kind of ass joke in the title, you're good to go. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and like the fun, the funny thing. I mean, I like that genre a lot. There's a lot of really fun. Strategy RPGs, you know, I mean, XCOM. I mean, basically, this is XCOM. It is, yeah. With, with farting. Park. Yeah, with farting. With, with flatulence. And, I'm uh, really excited for it, though. Yeah. I, I personally, I love strategy RPGs. Mm-hmm. They're some of my favorite games to play. They're certainly a really good time sink, and that would be one of my bigger concerns, I think. And this is one of the things that did bother me about the first one a little bit, is that I'm used to playing these games for, like, dozens of hours. Mm-hmm. And kind of having this long... Pro- prolonged character development where you really get into the characters and it, you really feel it when you lose one of those characters. One of those characters dies. A lot of these games have permadeath in them, which is odd, isn't it? Like, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, strategy RPGs is the one genre that has permadeath quite often. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but... comes from Fire Emblem. Yeah. I mean, it, that's kind of one of the first series that really did it and uh, made, it, made a name doing that. But I, somehow I doubt that that's going to be a feature in... The fractured butthole. Probably not, but 
I laugh every time I say that. I'm still like a 13-year-old kid at heart, I guess. I'm, I mean, I'm certainly, I like the first one. It was a great parody of, you know, fantasy RPGs, and this one's taking on the superhero stuff. Right. And uh, the classes uh, so far look, like, surprisingly varied, and, like, there's yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. Like, there's a like lot a of options. Like, they're covering every imaginable superhero idea yeah. you, could, you could do. And, uh, but they're still sort of grounding it in that, um, you know, that whole it's like is it real or is it not you know like, yeah. you know the first one had that too where it's like when you cast like electric spells you're really just zapping someone with a battery hooked to a car antenna and like there's a lot of that on this too where it's like it's like you know it's this weird blurred line whether it's really happening or whether the kids are just imagining it like but still the kids are beating up burglars yeah. <laughs> and stuff so um it's uh like, it's just a really appealing game to me, yeah. especially because it looks exactly like the TV show because the TV oh, yeah. show is so low-tech to begin with. Well, you know, one of the guys who works on the site, Vin Hill, is working on the game. Mm -hmm. And so, it, it, from the sounds of it, it sounds like, and he's an artist on the game, it sounds like, you know, they're just pulling in show right. assets. And, well, and I, love that, I also love that, like, the big, like, fart effects are, like, way better than the rest of the game. Like, they're, like, super <laughs> volumetrically modeled smoke and shit. Everything, everything else is just, like, this flat animation. But the, the fart... Say, and I'm like, I have to take that as a reference to, like, the Final Fantasy VII, like, summon animations oh, yeah, and stuff. Sure, where it's yeah. just like, here's this thing that we put way, much, way more effort into that you're just going to have to sit through. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So let's move on. Let's talk about another semi-debut. They showed uh, Watch Dogs 2 multiplayer for the first time mm. um the vibe i was getting off of this is very much grand theft auto online yeah um well whatever works yeah i mean obviously it's become a cash cow for 2k so much so that there's no way we're ever going to get any form of story dlc for grand no. theft auto 5 no like 2k is basically like we're making so much money off people paying for microtransactions in grand theft auto online yeah. why would you why would we bother yeah because you mean you figure People who are still playing Grand Theft Auto Online, I guarantee you, spent way more than $20 on microtransactions. Oh, yeah. And that's all you're going to get from maybe some customers mm. if you're doing story DLC. So I, while I hate it, and you know, I don't really play Grand Theft Auto Online. I did for review and played it for 10 or 15 hours. Uh, got sick of getting mm -hmm. all my money stolen. I played, I played it to the to a ridiculous level. I played it. The only trophy I don't have in that game is level 100. Wow. And I, I stopped at, like, level 79. I mean, yeah, I was, you're on your we, way. we'd done pretty much everything, but I'm just like, well, I could grind all my way to 100 and get the platinum, or I could do literally anything else. And yeah. so that's what I, I just <laughs> I just never went back to do. But I got I did everything in that game, online, yeah. even online. And, like, you know, it, 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 having a group to play with is key. It I mean, is, obviously. for sure. But, um, I mean, the most fun I had playing Grand Theft Auto Online was just messing around with other people just setting mm -hmm. up crazy stunts like stacking cars and helicopters and doing jumps or mm -hmm. jumping and smashing into piles of cars like just well, we more did, like stunt type stuff just to see what you could do with it well we did like um we had we had a, a constant game of one-upmanship where one per, you know we'd start out running around doing what we were doing and then someone would kill one of the other uh, someone else yeah and we'd be, and then the, the like it was like the the unspoken rule was you had to then kill them in a more spectacular manner so someone would like kill someone with a sword, and then, you sh then the other person would shoot them back, and then they'd come back with a car, and then they'd come back with a truck, and then yeah. and eventually got to, like, you know, like, someone would disappear for, like, 20 minutes while they went to the military base and got a jet and came yeah. back and just started strafing where the rest of us were. And, like, so that was sort of the, the fun of it. And then, and then there was the, um, there was a, a user-made game type where basically um, 
there was like this floating platform in the middle of an intersection, and one team is on the platform with like rocket launchers and shit, and the other team has the fastest cars in the game, and there's these giant ramps, and the idea is the the car team is supposed to um, ramp up and hit the people on the platform right, right. and knock them <laughs> off or kill them. It's like and the bowling. Pe- right, and the people with the rocket launchers are trying to shoot the cars. Oh, and we fun. played that for hours. Yeah. Like it was it's just hours and hours and hours. Watch Dogs 2 looks like it's headed down that path and you start, mm-hmm. start factoring in all the hacking and the tech stuff that's kind of already a part of the franchise. Like, Honestly, at this point, I feel like I'm more excited to play the multiplayer in Watch Dogs 2 than, like, the campaign. Maybe. I mean, it looks like something actually happens there. Yeah. Maybe less drone surveillance of, you know, dot-com startups and more shooting. Yeah, and that would be smart, I believe, on Ubisoft's part, is to stray at least a little bit away from what you're doing in the gameplay loop Mm -hmm. in the campaign for the multiplayer. Um, I think that's where Rockstar really nailed it with Grand Theft Auto Online, is that they didn't worry about trying to make it like playing the campaign. They're like, how can we make this as fun as possible for mm-hmm. multiple people to play it? And that's, it seems obvious, right? And that's but like, we don't get that every day. Like, the while time the multiplayer. multiplayer idea in the first Watch Dogs was like a, seemed like a cool idea, when you're actually playing the game, it was mostly just annoying. It was just like Assassin's Creed multiplayer. Yeah. It sounds like a great idea until you actually go and play it, and you're like, this is dumb. Like, there's all mm. these weird quirks about it. Like, I can't find the dude. I, yeah, and, it's, and it's like when you do find him, it's like, well, wait, is that like the UI didn't quite match up with what you think you're seeing? Yeah. And then the worst part, the, and then to compound it in Watch Dogs, like it's in the middle of the game. Right. Because at least in Assassin's Creed, you have to actually go do it. You're right. Whereas in yeah. Watch Dogs, it's like, oh, you were doing a thing, but now there's a guy invading you, and now you got. And it's just like, oh, like now I gotta stop and find him. And I actually it. didn't see if that's the way this one's gonna work. Did you? Mm-mm. I sure hope not. No, I, 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 I am all for the multiplayer being a discrete, separate mode. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that. I, I like the connectivity idea. I like kind of the, the little competition to be king of locations, like you know the check-in stuff. Yeah, and that kind of stuff, that asynchronous multiplayer uh, feature. But uh, I'm okay if people don't invade my game. Yeah, see, I like cooperative stuff that way. Yeah. Like, if you're... I like invading, like, in Dark Souls. I think that's fun. But Dark Souls is fun to fight in. Yeah. And Watch Dogs, I'm just like, well, I hope this stupid control scheme lets me do what I want to do. That's the thing, is like... I like the idea of calling in people to help you with something. Yeah. Like, say you're in a part of a game that's really difficult. Like, I like the idea of going to your friends list and saying, hey, Matt and Adam and whoever else, ding, 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 come and help me. And you guys jump into the game and help me get through it, and maybe you stick around, maybe you don't, or whatever. But I like the idea of co-op really being cooperative and having people kind of aid you in getting through the campaign. You can do that in Dark Souls 3, I'm just saying. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've been kind of sour on Watch Dogs 2 the whole time, I have to admit. Like, for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. it's just not really tripped my trigger. Um, It's showing at Gamescom. It's helped with that a little bit, but, man, that game's coming out real soon, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm mostly in for the San San Francisco, so... Bah, That's yeah. enough for me to play it. Yeah. Just being able to go into the most modern representation of San Francisco in a video game to date. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be enough. You know, I hope it is really accurate so that, like, we can drive past, like, the old studio yeah. at Tech TV and go out mm-hmm. of the Sega building. The Zynga building now. I guess they're, the Zynga, they're, they're well, selling that building, but right. it, it is still the Zynga building right now. Yeah, so... 
Um, but, That's a yeah. big enough hook for me. I wonder for people who have never lived in San Francisco if it's the same. Well, I hope it's as pretty as it looks in the trailers on like PS4 because I am not dumb enough to buy a Ubisoft PC port. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll see. Well, no matter what, the driving is going to be fun in the game. Yeah. I mean, who knows if the controls are going to be great or not, but just with all the hills and everything oh, in that yeah. city, like... It's a great driving city. Yeah. Well, in, in, after, when you from play, an action standpoint, it's not great to drive in in reality. But. Because in a lot, and even Grand Theft Auto in a lot of cases, like once you've played an open world game long enough, you're in hour 33 or whatever of some huge, massive game, the driving eventually just becomes like this means to an end. Mm -hmm. Like it's not really fun anymore. And like I get to this point where I just get annoyed if cars get in my way. It's like, I, it's not that I, I don't know. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, this game with its terrain and all the hills and everything, that driving will remain exciting throughout the duration of the game mm -hmm. instead of just kind of becoming something you have to do. Yeah. All right, so, you know, both of us have been pretty high on Infinite Warfare, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, so far after its E3 showing. We mentioned it on the show last week. We mentioned it before. Uh, they just showed the Zombies mode at Gamescom for the first time. Did you watch that trailer? I did not see this. Oh, you no. did not? So it's like this 80s, which is really weird, because it's like an 80s disco motif. Hmm. And, it, you know, as we both know, disco was the 70s. But for whatever yeah. reason, it has this kind of disco, neon-drenched flavor to it. And it has, like, David Hasselhoff and, like, Pee Wee Herman in it. Um, it is weird. the polar opposite of the Zombies mode in Black Ops 3. I don't know if you've played it at all mm. or if you've even just watched the trailers for all of it. But that, like, Black Ops 3's zombie stuff is pretty serious. Yeah. Like, it's not... There's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek here and there and, like... It's kind of like the, the dispensers that you use to get weapons and stuff like that. There's a little bit of a comedic twist on those. But otherwise, it plays it pretty straight. This one, not so much at all. It's just total camp. It doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the game at all. And look, I get zombies has always been kind of this separate thing. You know, it started in like a World War II game, for mm -hmm. God's sake, with Nazi zombies. So I get that kind of the genesis of it is kind of this quirky, funny, fun thing. But I feel like maybe they're going a little bit too far with yeah, this it one. It seems like maybe a better angle on this one might have been like a, like a cheesy pulp sci-fi kind of. Which is what they've it. done before, right? But but I mean like Buck Rogers, right? Kind of stuff, oh. Like space zombies, yeah. And like you know, well, that's like, kind of what they're calling it. They're calling it like space zombies. They should right. call it Astro Zombies after the Misfits song. It but, makes too much sense. But the, like I would have you know, more like a ray gun sort of like yeah. you know. Sort of the space opera, you know, the stuff uh, uh, like Star the Wars is based sci -fi on. Sci-fi type yeah. of thing, yeah. That would that would have worked, but I mean, I mean, David Hasselhoff is cool too. It'll be a big hit in Germany. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's where he's a multi-platinum recording oh, yeah. artist in Germany for whatever reason. What's wrong with you, Germany? Why do you like David? The Germans Hasselhoff? loved David Hasselhoff. It's one of the it's one of the basic rules of the world. Well, a lot of people in you, the world. Very few things in this world you can count on, and that's one of them. Well, a lot of people our age and. Other countries feel like they've learned what American culture is like by watching Baywatch. Because for whatever reason, that show was syndicated overseas. Oh, well, I know why the reason is. It was the most watched show in the world for a while until until Stargate SG-1 took over. Right. And the reason is because there's really there's tons of hot chicks in it. Right. Wearing nothing. So It's also a documentary. <laughs> as, as well you know. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't bring those little red floaty things on camera because yeah. it's considered uh, rude in this country. <laughs> but we ha right over there. Yeah, yeah. Just in case we need a lifeline. But I'll uh, be there. But I feel like this is a little bit of a downturn for this game. Looking at it, and look, I get it. Probably 
10% of the people who play a Call of Duty game ever even play zombies. Mm -hmm. But like I mentioned before, like my little brother, that's the only reason he buys Call of Duty mm -hmm. is to play the zombies mode. So is he old enough to know who David Hasselhoff is? Mm, borderline. I mean, Herman? I think everybody knows who he is at this point because he's become right. kind of this like pop culture joke. At the very least, you know he's the drunk guy on the floor with the burger. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think. Yeah. I don't that know. That was recent. Yeah, I don't think my brother would know him from Baywatch, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, mm. I doubt he's he's maybe watched a couple episodes. Yeah, I know him from Knight Rider. That's, yeah, so that's where I know him from. Yeah, exactly. Which is more where this is coming from. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like. So, I mean, I think they're just starting to run out of ideas for zombies. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it would have been nice to see it kind of tie in a little more with the, the overall theme. But, like, the zombie thing to me is just bonus, yeah. really. I don't... I don't, I, I'm not going to like live or die something on the zombie mode uh, in the Call of Duty series just because it's just meant to be there for fun and weirdness and it's a little, little extra thing to play and sometimes you know like uh, you know Black Ops 3 was almost you could play the game again with the zombie thing incorporated so right. it, was, it was pure extra play time yep. uh, which is cool no matter what form it takes so we'll see what they do with it there here's big news Final Fantasy 15 delayed again mm. Keep in mind, Matt... 11 that, years just wasn't enough. <laughs> keep in mind, Matt, that Square Enix put up a countdown clock. They, yeah. ca they counted down to when they were going to announce the release date. Then they did a countdown clock for the release date where they hit like this button that like reveals like the release date. Mm -hmm. And then it's delayed two months. And then the next day, they announced it's gone gold. So what? So... What? Tabata has done a couple interviews from Gamescom. He put up this video on their YouTube channel saying that, you know, the game's feature complete, essentially gold. They have, like, the master version of it. Mm -hmm. And they're spending two months just polishing the game. Well, uh, two months out of 11 years, that ought to be... <laughs> that ought to be, is, make a big difference. Is the delay a big deal to you at all, Matt? No, I don't care about that game, really. At all? Not really. I mean, I'm going to play it. I have it pre-ordered um, because we're going to talk about it. We weren't going to talk about it. I would probably just wait. Yeah, what like, until it's cheaper or just cheaper not play or just it? or just like you know after you know maybe late next spring when there's less to play and something you know I want something to do. I'm like oh I guess I'll get around to Final Fantasy 15. It's not a urgent thing to me. The last Final Fantasy game I really really liked was six, yeah. which was um, when I was in high school uh, because that's pretty much when you know. There's there's an old uh, saying: uh, the golden age of science fiction is twelve, uh, meaning that everything you read science fiction or see science fiction wise when you're twelve is the best science fiction because that's when you that's kind you're of in the get sweet into spot. it. Yeah, that's sort of how I feel about Final Fantasy. Yeah. It's, it's it's like when you're twelve, that's it's the greatest a, thing it's ever. The bee's knees. Uh, but if you played Final Fantasy, if you play Final, Fantasy, and I've seen this to be true with many people we know, including uh, Justin Facino, very fam famously our, yeah. our our friend Justin Facino. Um, loves Final Fantasy VII, and early on, this is you know this is when he was a very very young, starting out as a PA on X Play, and I'm like, like this, but this and this and this is, I mean, there's no way you could have liked that stupid game unless you were 12. And he goes, I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> and as someone who was great. 21 when that mo that game came out, yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah. Well, that explains it. You know, I mean, my last Final Fantasy I really enjoyed was Final Fantasy IX. That's the last one that Nine I... Nine is the best of the PlayStation... Nine is the only PlayStation 1 Final Fantasy I would say is good. Yeah. Uh, and then I actually like 12 a lot. Uh, but I think 12 is more... Um, 
at the time I was like, oh, this is so different, and it kind of incorporates MMO ideas and all this, yeah. and like the story sort of vanishes through most of the middle of that. It's, otherwise, it's basically a retelling of Star Wars. Right. And um, like, I, I'm I'm very curious how much I'll like Final Fantasy XII when the remake comes out. Like, if I'll be able to still get into it. But to me, the pinnacle was six. Um, and ever since then, it's just sort of I'm still playing these games as sort of like. Out of obligation, going through the motions. That I feel yeah, like, you feel like it, you have to. I feel like you I have to. to because I, I, you know, one of them might be good again one day, <laughs> and I want to be there when it happens. <laughs> and also, like they're just like kind of part of the zeitgeist of being a core gamer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's just like it feels like you know, even though I didn't like thirteen, it felt like I had to play it to sort of know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, I admit I didn't play the other two. I played like an hour of. 13.2, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, and then I, was, I never turned it on again. Like, so, so here's the thing, Matt. So the day after, they announced, when they announced I don't know what way, they think two months is going to do on this thing. I mean, we saw what two months did to No Man's Sky. A game that's that Nothing. big, like, yeah. probably not much. But here's the thing. So they announced the delay, and then they say in that same announcement, look, tomorrow we're putting out an hour of footage of the game, brand new footage. And uh, so the footage came out, and I watched it, and I have to admit... That I'm kind of hyped for the game now. Yeah. Did you watch it the yeah. hour long? So it's not continuous footage, and it appears to start at the very beginning of the game, but they cut out like the boring parts. Like they'll cut out the traveling, they'll cut out the driving in the car. <laughs> so it's a four hour gameplay clip cut down cut to down one. Cut down to an hour, kind <laughs> of, yeah. Which is a little. There's going to be a lot of long conversations in that damn convertible. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm really predicting there's going to be a lot of chatter. Yeah, so you're watching that right now, the hour long gameplay that they put out. And I've got to say, in that hour's time, and again, they've truncated it down, but it shows off. A lot of the game. I mean, like, it's certainly. I haven't watched the whole thing. I've only seen snippets. Beast of a game. But it like it certainly is a better showing than E3. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It feels like it feels like they knew they had to come at this uh, with some teeth and after that. I'll say one thing though. The writing is so bad. Well, yeah. It is so bad. Like you were saying, conversations in the car. In this clip, they have several conversations in the car, and they are the most banal, idiotic. I just don't know what they're thinking, man. Like it's like they did not ever hire like an English consultant to work hmm. on this game. Like part of it, I think, and is... maybe a part of it is it's made for the twelve-year-old. Well, yeah, but part of it. This is the friend. You're right, though. This is the franchise. A lot of stuff that has been... not managed to transcend that right. to become something that adults can enjoy playing without feeling. But there's also sort of a thing with that, and I've run into in Japanese media where a lot of what we would think would be aimed at either older teenagers, college age, or above, in Japan seems to be more targeted towards younger middle school era. And well, like you run, you even run into that thing too. Maybe somewhat, in but but, but it really is a different audience targeting situation that I've run into a lot, especially as a Transformers fan, because the, you know Transformers in America and the West are basically for you know like older you know preteen but like yeah. you know maybe 8 to 8 to 13 year old is sort of the sweet spot for transformers as we know and then there's a lot of adult fans as well that grew up with it in japan transformers is targeted at preschoolers yeah like it's it's and like you watch the shows kids cartoon when we were kids yeah but it wasn't aimed at kids that young like yeah, we're yeah. talking it about was like, like middle school kids right like we're and the, all the transformer stuff in japan is aimed at like very very young kids and that's just sort of how it is yeah and because uh, if you're an adult you watch gundam right you know and yeah. so it's it's a, it's a different mentality and i think jrpgs are sort of assumed to be targeted at sort of a more of a middle school area 
and a lot of translation work just doesn't try to bring you know elevate that because on one hand you know fans want a direct translation they don't want an adaptation they want right. to know what these characters were saying in Japanese just say yeah. it in English yeah. and that is not always what you want yeah. necessarily because sometimes this stuff is really dumb yeah and, and it is. These conversations yeah. in this game are stupid. But I have to say that in the hour's time, what they showed to me was really impressive. Like, all the systems in the game, the merchants. Um, again, all the not just the conversations in the car. All the conversations are, are just stupid. And that's a shame because if it's a really long game, a lot of times you kind of need that narrative to keep you going. Mm -hmm. So I do have concerns about the game over the long haul. But I will say, after watching this big chunk of it, I am a bit emboldened for the game now. Like, hmm. I am excited to play the game. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a really meaty experience you're going to be able to sink your teeth into. It feels like it has a lot of idiosyncrasies to it, a lot of nuance to it. Mm -hmm. Combat still looks meh. Yeah. It just but, doesn't have a is, flow to it. Yeah, I don't, I mean, There's I'm hoping... There's a lot hoping... to do. Like, the, the grapple hook is way bigger of an element in the combat than I ever thought it was. I'm just like, hoping watching it's... watching their it's, testers play. I'm just hoping that demo we played from early in the year was not... Necessarily representative of the full-fledged combat system. Yeah, I mean, it, there's more depth to it. Like you can mm -hmm. see it in this video that there's much more to the combat than that. It still looks a little clunky and odd at times. And like, I think it still looks like a PS3 game up upres. I mean, yeah. it looks like a remaster. Yeah, basically. there's a couple moments in this where it looks pretty good too. Um, like I said, like my opinion was kind of like right where yours mm -hmm. was until I watched this, and I feel like I'm starting to come around a little bit for this game. And you're right, two months isn't going to do a lot for a game. Uh, you can only accomplish so much in 60 days. I mean, think about right. that. 60 days for me flies by like it's a freaking week anymore. I mean, clearly we're looking at a big day one patch, basically. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't believe it's like the end of the summer right now. Like, I feel yeah. like I've, this whole summer has just been a big blur. So 60 days when you're developing a game really isn't squat. As they've proven 11 years later, yeah. we're working on this. Uh, but even if they could fix up a little bit of the bugs mm -hmm. uh, before we all get our hands on it, like it's just going to improve the game. Yeah. At this so. point, I'm just like, get the game done and out so that you can re you know, refocus your efforts on Kingdom Hearts three because like yeah. it's time. Yeah. Like no, does anyone? Rumors Kingdom Hearts may be coming to NX. By the way, also oh, yeah. rumors Dragon Quest Builders might be coming to NX. That would make sense. Kingdom Hearts makes sense as an NX. NX oh, it game. makes perfect sense. Like if Nintendo were smart, it would throw tons of money at Square to make. If it Nintendo were smart, they would not only throw tons of money for that, but they throw tons of money to bring over uh, ports of the HD remixes. Yep, absolutely. And right. have the whole Kingdom Hearts series available on the NX. Yep, things starting to fall in line a little bit for NX now. Maybe should be about a month and a half away from seeing it. Not even. Yeah, like yeah, next month sometime. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty exciting. But uh, yeah, I'm. Ple I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw. Obviously, right. I wasn't playing it. Um, you know, so I, I am. I uh, the feel for the combat. It does look a little janky watching the video. I was not impressed by the comments. Uh, I think it was today about how the ultimate, you know, the ultimate edition for that game is like <laughs> what. Was it like 180? Yeah, and no season pass. Does not include the season pass. What is up with that lately? And they're like, "Oh, we can't do it." I'm like, "Yes, you can do it." There I, was the other collector's edition that didn't have the game. Was yeah. that Battlefield One or something? That was Halo. Halo. That was Halo Five. What the? It just didn't have the disc. It had a code in it. No, no. There's one that doesn't have anything. It was oh, just really? announced like a month ago. I think it's Battlefield One. There's like one version of it that doesn't come with the game at all. That's weird. Really weird. I don't know what people what they're. But it's like you know stuff. what? Like if you really wanted to, Square, you could have, just have a thing where you set up a site where people go and like put in their proof of purchase or whatever for the 
for the Ultimate Edition and you send them a season pass code. Yep. That's what that's what should happen there. Yep. It, it won't, but that's what should <laughs> happen should happen, there. yeah. So let's move on. Let's talk about Battlefield 1, another one of, if you're talking about... Also, the, season passes for JRPGs. What's wrong yeah, with Yeah, what you? is up with that? If you're talking about the top three or four games from Gamescom, Battlefield 1 is undoubtedly one of them. Certainly yeah. one of the biggest games. Um, so for the first time, they showed Horse Combat. <laughs> and... <laughs> It looks really cool, yeah. but it makes no sense whatsoever. Like, the footage <laughs> that they're showing, and I saw, like, Raw Multiplayer, too, where people were playing with the horses. It was in their live, their official live stream. You have, like, a horse running alongside an armored vehicle. Like, is that realistic? Is that accurate? Historically yeah. accurate? Oh, yeah. Why? Why would you? Because that's what they had. World War One was the first modern war, and a lot, like, they didn't have that many tanks at the beginning. They just didn't it's, have it's, enough. Basically, like, yeah, you were still using the old tech, and the old tech was horses yeah. to some degree. You know, there, and there's, it wasn't, it's not as pronounced as it as it real, was in reality. Uh, but like, there's a there's a famous the famous stories of like part of the reason Poland had such a problem with the Nazis at the beginning of World War II was a lot of their defensive stuff was still based around that era that era of tech. There were horses pulling artillery, <laughs> at the, and like you can't fight a blitzkrieg like that. Yeah, and and like, yeah, you would, you know, because Artillery needs escorts, infantry escorts, and yeah. you know if you're on horses, you can move faster. So that that was a real thing. But in the end, horses were, I think, if I recall correctly, horses were basically just too material consumptive to be worth it. So they stopped doing it. Yeah, you have to feed them. And yeah, everything. you have to put the horse somewhere. Yeah, you, know? you can't just park it and be like, there, there, there you go. And then you have like, you know, there's a waste disposal problem where if you have to camp somewhere along enough. So yeah, horses didn't last long, especially when the motorcycle came along. Well, here's but, my point. It's like, so you're playing a first-person shooter, and you're trying to shoot humans mm. who have thin limbs and can move very erratically very quickly you're riding a horse like it just, it just seems so easy to just shoot the horse and kill the horse like yeah i that's, just that's i guess that's the risk reward yeah. like yeah, another but, reason we don't use horses much anymore yeah i mean the balance that has to go into that to make it work seems horse mounted crazy. cavalry made more sense when like a gunshot would only go where you wanted it to about 25 percent of the time when you're using yeah. a musket yeah, yeah. But, but like this was, you know, using and, rifles. But that rifles. is a, you know, I don't know if it's going to be fun to play, but it is a, a, a real thing where like you, ha World War One was sort of this trial by fire of like, oh, war's different now. Yeah. And people had started, you know, the Franco-Prussian War and the Boer War had sort of taught us that to some degrees. And Boer Wars were we invented, were uh, the British invented concentration camps. Right. Um, but World War One was really, you know, it was the Great War, the war to end all wars, because the idea was like, holy crap, we, we just, well, yeah. <laughs> but the idea was we just, you know, we saw, it was even called World War One at the time. Yeah, I know. Because, <laughs> because people were like, it's the first global mechanized yeah, everyone's war. everyone's going at it, yeah. You know, this was the war that created the idea of war crimes, for the most yeah, part. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, wow, we can really do some damage now with this kind of material, and we can do some horrific things that we should, like, you know, not... We should make some rules, right? And uh, not that anyone follows them even yeah. today. And this kind of like crazy mix of like uh, these like you know ancient warfare ideas and and, mater and material combined with like what was at the time cutting edge, like that was very common, especially early on in the war, when people realized like, yeah, this isn't gonna work. You yeah, know, it's like no one was dumb enough to ride a horse in a battle. You know, probably by the end of that, thing. but like yeah, that's a believable thing. And again, 
I don't know if that's going to be fun to play, but I can see if you're making this game that you see that situation and you're like, oh, we got to do that. Like, well, you know, here's what it's I very, I'm sure it's very hard to resist the idea of like, you know, like jousting, you know, yeah. in some kind of situation like that. If you're if you're designing this game and you're like, oh, we got it, we got to make that. Here's especially, what I would say. Battlefield it. is so much about vehicles. Yeah, but and here's the thing. So I don't know how much you played Battlefield Four, but you know, Battlefield ever since I believe Battlefield Two was the first Battlefield to have squads, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. And uh, so you know, they've there's a lot of aimless running in Battlefield. Even with squads, where you can spawn on your squad, there are tons of time times, even in Battlefield 4, where you are just running by yourself for, like, a mile or more sometimes, trying to get to the heat of the battle. Sometimes you spawn on your, spawn, on your squad, and they still haven't made it to the battle right. yet. Because so the only guy who's alive just respawned and is still running. Right, right. <laughs> so maybe... The horses are being instituted to mitigate to get that. you there. To sort just, yeah, and sort of like, like a, look, once you get there, if the horse dies, so right. what? At least you got to the fight more quickly. I figure that's what that is. That's it's, where I could see it's it. It's like work. Jeeps. Yeah. I mean, no, everyone or ditches. The buggies or the buggies. Yeah, everyone ditches the, you know, in uh, Battlefield 1, the original Battlefield, that was the whole thing. Battlefield 1942, you just like, you, everybody, you got there. everybody pile on the Jeep. And as soon as you get there, everybody jumps yeah, out of the jeep, yeah. <laughs> and you let the, and you let the jeep just roll and crash into. You know, hopefully it crashes into like the, some guy at the flag and blows up or, or something. Or some other vehicle. Yeah, but no up. one, no one. Yeah, oh yeah, the the suicide jeep runs into the tanks. That was fun too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that's yeah. what they use it for. If it's just another vehicle in Look, the game. Look, if I can strap like explosives to the horse and do that, and smack it. No, yes. I bet you can. That would be awesome. I bet you can do that. But that'll never happen. No. Dude, PETA would lose it if They're that not happened. real horses. They don't care. PETA doesn't matter. PETA does matter. No, it doesn't. PETA's not to a, us. They're a bunch of crazies. We're meat eaters. No one cares. People care about PETA. Nah. We'll see. But uh, I just thought Nothing that was with curious. Bill Maher on the direct board of directors matters. I'm just, tell, <laughs> I'm just saying that right off the bat. But uh, on the whole, I think the multiplayer looks great. And that's the key for Battlefield because we all know the campaigns in Battlefield suck. And as awesome as the trailers look when they're all cut together, and it's so funny too how EA manages to fool people over oh, yeah. and over again. Hell, yeah, man, I could I could cut a trailer out of Battlefield 3's campaign and make you excited to play it all over again. Well, they did. Yeah. I mean, they they're really good at cutting their trailers together to make you think the campaign's going to be something worth yeah. playing, and then you play it, and it's that's absolutely why you can off. never you know you can never trust yourself on a trailer for any not just games movies. It's a, I can watch the trailer for episode one of The Phantom Menace and still get excited. For, oh my god, that movie looks awesome. That movie is not awesome. I know that movie <laughs> is not awesome. But I can watch that trailer and be like, that's amazing. Like, the yeah. great trailers mean nothing. You're right. They mean they nothing. They can totally fool you. So people are all over Battlefield 1. Editors right? are magicians. Like, Always the, remember The that. comments on the trailer from Gamescom on Sifted are all like glowing. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it looks so awesome. Like, they're, they're doing what everybody does. They're forgetting... That there were trailers for Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 that also looked awesome. And then you actually played. Mm-hmm. I remember when I reviewed Battlefield 3 at GT and the review went up. People were like, you are insane. They're like, how could I watch trailers for this game? This game, there's no way the campaign can be that bad. It turned out the campaign was like two and a half or three hours long. It was just this really weird, awkward, like... You know, they tried to build up emotion between the soldiers, and it just always fell mm-hmm. flat. It's just, it was just bad. So, Which is funny because, like, the, the, the only good campaigns in the Battlefield series are the Bad Company games. You're right. Yeah. Which you're is because right. they were funny and they had characters. Yep, exactly. And the writing was great. Yeah. And that makes a the big The best line so. in the history of Battlefield is when 
uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who's like the explosives guy in that, but at one, po- at one point, the, he's kind of the crazy, obsessed with explosives dude, but like that's sort of his character. Yeah. But at one point, the satel- and it's in two, the satellite comes flaming over their heads and crashes like in the field ahead of them, and he goes, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and I'm like, that is the best, that's the best line yeah. in all of Battlefield. Yeah, for because sure. Because it was entirely motivated by character, and it wasn't like trying to make me go, ooh, look at the thing explode. It was like, no, yeah. you took that moment and you made it funny by remembering that you had human beings in your story. Yep. Right before Gamescom, Bethesda announced what I thought Bethes- I thought Fallout 4's DLC was done, but it's not. There's another one coming out called Nuka-Cola. They're saying it is... Nuka-Cola? Not Nuka-World? Nuka-World, sorry. Yeah. Takes place in a dilapidated amusement yeah. park. They did show that at E3. Yeah, they did. Um, I don't know why it slipped my mind. I, for some reason, what was the last big DLC? Uh, they did, they did the... Oh, the last story-driven one was um, uh, point, whatever the 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 main one. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it for some reason. Some something point was, some, was it you know, point or something bay or something? It was yeah, harbor point, far harbor, far harbor. Far harbor. There you go. Where's the point thing come from? I don't know. <laughs> this is how memorable the DLC for this game. Yeah, that's been. we just right. made the point right there. We couldn't remember the name of it. But that is the best DLC so far for Fallout 4. Right. It actually has well, everything else is just, just a toy. Basically. Yeah, I mean they'll toss in a couple side missions and the yeah. other ones here and there. I mean but... the contraption thing was it's, it's it's just like okay it's fun in terms of like it's a neat trick. Yeah. But like where's where's my you know mothership? Uh, where's my uh, old world blues? Where's you yeah. know that kind of thing? So they're saying Nuka World is I believe what I read was four to five times bigger than Far Harbor. If that's the case... That's pretty big. And did you play Far Harbor? I dabbled. Yeah, so did I. I, I think I played like very hard for me to get back it. into that game. Yeah, me too, man. A lot of games like that, though, I've found, like open world action RPGs, I, oh, I'm always reticent to go back and play them. Because I remember what it was like playing them and how I had to remember like, all these little things that were mm. going on and where I needed to go to do this and where I needed to go to do that. And I feel like what, if I've been away from a game for, like this for a long time... It's hard to go back and remember like what all the little systems are it and can the quirks be, about the like, game. It can be, but like I booted up my save game of uh, Skyrim for the first time in probably three or four years recently, and it was like just getting in a nice warm hot tub. Like it was, it oh, was really? like, everything just clicked. I'm like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Like the good stuff I remember, and like and uh, New Vegas is like that too. Like but Fallout Four, I'm just like, wait, what? What was this? Like, okay, sure. Oh, and I gotta go back and talk to him. It was like, yeah, there was, none of that game. That game just slid off my brain like it was Teflon. Like it was. There's it not just, a lot of memorable characters no. in the game. Like the, I don't know if the writing was. It wasn't that the writing was bad. It's just the way the characters were written. They just yeah. weren't all that interesting. I mean, interesting. Far Harbor is smart in that it focuses on the detective guy right. who is probably who the, the, the most, most memorable, memorable thing in the game, hands down. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. So I mean, so good on you for that. Yeah. But like, it didn't do anything to entice me back in yeah and i don't know and it's weird because it's like i've i am on like my 60th planet in no man's sky with the same damn trees and the same (laughs) damn 
eight-legged cow creatures, and I was yeah. like, this is great. And I'm like, like, like why don't I care? Well, everybody why has. do I care about that? But I don't care about like the 15th skyscraper with the same ammo right. boxes in it. Yeah, everyone's different. They have things that they I mean, the gameplay really loop don't. works for you or it doesn't, but like, usually that Bethesda gameplay loop just pulled me right in. I mean, a lot of the wandering around planets on No Man's Sky presses that same dopamine button in my brain as wandering around Skyrim did. Yeah, yeah. But like, for whatever reason, Fallout 4 just doesn't do it. And for a sec- and Fallout 4 almost made me worry. I'm like, oh, what, does this kind of thing just not work for me anymore? And No Man's Sky proves like, oh, yeah, it does. It, does, it yeah. absolutely does. It doesn't even need to be that good. Right. <laughs> it, just, it just works, you know, for me. And like, so I'm like, what is it about Fallout 4 that just doesn't It's just a very me? drab world. That I don't, lo- I didn't, I don't like. Yeah, I guess, and so I don't I have not. this like desire to go back and experience it again. I just don't. And so, so let's assume in Far Harbor what I played of it, I thought was pretty good. I thought it was kind of up there with mm-hmm. some of the better quests in the main game. So let's imagine that Nuka World is four or five times bigger than Far Harbor and it is of the same quality. Does that save the season pass, Matt? Because this season pass has been a complete disaster. I think it needed one more story expansion i think it needed three yeah. story expansions i don't know why i'm arriving at that conclusion but i just think it needed one more i feel like bethesda put way too much of an emphasis on the building part yeah. of the game and i look i get it it's with well, a new feature and so you want to try to blow it out but the bottom line is that it i did what i needed to do to get through the campaign mm. i never sat there for hours and built stuff to see what it would do or it's like, I need to construct a radio tower. When that tower was done, I moved right. on until I had to construct something else. And I mean, I didn't have any, you know, it, and, and it all seems to come from the, um, the, sent, the second DLC for Skyrim. Uh, was it Hearth, Hearthstone? Or that's, that's, no. No, that's the that's World Blizzard, of Blizzard game. <laughs> um, Hearth something. Hearth, Hearth Realm or Hearth, I don't know. Uh, Hearts, I don't know. But you had to build a ca- you had to build a bunch of houses and, and strand adopted orphans in them basically, and like I was like this is terrible like I don't you know, I'm like oh wow so, like that's what I wanted to do was collect eighty logs yeah. that like I don't have room for in my incredibly limited inventory weight problem, and um, and like that they kind of made that one of the pillars of Fallout Four is weird to me but at the same time my brother in law has built like this giant castle. Basically, That's in Fallout people will 4, get into it, yeah. out of I mean, he's he's like he has this home base that is like looks like it could have been designed by the developers, right. you know. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Impressive. I will never, I never ever do, do that. <laughs> so clearly it works for some for some or maybe most of the people who have really gotten into this game. Yeah. I mean, he's like 200 hours into that thing. So uh, I, I can't call it like a bad decision, but... It, certainly isn't a decision that brings me back, personally. Season passes, to me, are, like, the biggest scam ever. I mean, I got that season pass for, like, some ridiculous cheap price on one of those, like, you know, key thing. I think it was, like, I think I paid, like, ten bucks for that thing. Who expects you to buy something when you don't know what you're buying? Well, the big problem on this one... can you think of any other part Well, the big problem on this one, to me, is that they raised the price, and I still don't quite see why that happened. (laughs) It's like you would think that they were like working on like Nuka World and like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Like, we need to increase the price mm-hmm. because we want to make this even bigger. I mean, look. And Nuka maybe World, they did. Maybe I they mean, did. Maybe yeah. Nuka World is just mind blowing. But if you suffered through the season pass so far right now, you're feeling a little salty because the money that you spent for it, even if you got it early for cheaper, 
it's mm-hmm. to me it's not worth what you paid. Right. Like my to my in my mind, my character is just standing next to like this giant Rube Goldberg device from the contraptions DLC, just like this this angry face on her uh, angry face <laughs> on her just it's like, mm-hmm, great. It builds ammo. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, like <laughs> It does things that I didn't need anything to do, really. Well, it's like even in the base game, whenever I built, you know, fortified my base or whatever, like, it was rarely needed. Like, I think my base was actually, like, invaded, like, three times. I was invaded a couple of times. Even though I built, like, the bare minimum, like, I come back and all the dead bodies are just laying around. Like, it, you know. And more more people show up. Yeah. Like, like, (laughs) I didn't have any attachment. No, I mean, like, the enemy bodies would be, like, lying around from, like, where my turrets, like, cut them down or whatever. I just didn't care. So, I mean, I hope it's I hope it's good and interesting and makes some people feel like they got their money's worth out of that season pass. But that's gonna be have to be one hell of an amusement park, folks, for real. Uh, so today it was leaked out that Assassin's Creed the Ezio Collection is on the way, a remaster of Assassin's Creed Two, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelations. I believe I got yep. that right. Um, mm-hmm. How excited are you for this? Uh, well, I have them on PC, so not point. too much. <laughs> but, like, it's cool yeah. that they're doing that. Um, I think uh, Brotherhood is the best game in the series. Agreed. Um, I think uh, that's consensus winner, definitely. I, I, it seems to be. It's either, most that's people, where it hit the sweet spot. Right. That's most people either say two where... or Brotherhood, and Brotherhood's pretty much... Brotherhood really probably should have been the last third of two. Yeah. Um, it re- Brotherhood really feels like we had to cut the last act of two out in Rome, and we yeah. just sort of made it its own game. Uh, but they added enough and changed... That's also the first one that really feels like you're the leader of an assassin's guild, yep. and you can call in people, and they're like, yep. you're training people and doing all... It, and like beyond that, like and on the After flip that, side, it went, that was the sweet spot. Right. After that, it became bloat. Yeah. Flips. Uh, Revelations, I think, is uh, not very good. It's yeah. one of my bottom three of the of the series. Yeah, I didn't my, enjoy it either. My absolute rock bottom would be three. I didn't like three at all. Um, I really liked three. I didn't like. I just three. Th- here's the thing: is like three was really where the optional stuff started to piss me off. Yeah. Um, and I think Black Flag did it better where it doesn't tell you the optional objectives unless you go looking for them in the pause screen. Like, whereas, like, you, you're just playing, like, three. And, I mean, it's introduced in Brotherhood, but I think it's handled better in Brotherhood and, to some degree, Revelations in three is where it hits this point where, like, if you, you're just playing a mission the way you want to play a mission and then suddenly this big red X pops up and it's like, you didn't kill this guy in this weird particular way using this item you don't even have to do that. And it's like, well, like, never tell me I'm playing the game wrong. Like, yeah. that's just, I hate That's you. where the series like, started losing its yeah. way a little bit. But I actually enjoyed 3 because I liked the variety. I loved the ship combat. I liked that the it was... The ship combat was the best part, for sure. I, I loved the setting. I loved the whole Native American thing that was going on. It just felt different. It was... It had a completely different setting, a completely different group of people, completely different concerns among like. And look, I get it. A lot of people had, a lot of people had bug issues with that game. I had like no bugs. I didn't I have like too one. many bugs in that. Yeah. I don't remember anything really. But who is the, who are they selling this to, Matt? I don't know. Who hasn't played? I mean, they already did an SEO collection. I mean, are they trying to find the the kids who were seven years old when they came out and are now fifteen or sixteen? Or that is that who they're trying to sell it to? I don't. Or maybe. I mean, there is a very dedicated fan base. Uh, oh, sure. That will probably just triple dip on these things. Um, my girlfriend probably will. I but mean, to your point, I mean, you can find these games. I see them on sale all the time on Steam or whatever mm-hmm. for like five bucks. Yeah. 
It's like, I mean, I get Well, not that. I mean, they go down to, the early ones go down to $9.99, and, the, and post two goes down to $19.99. They never, UB never really discounts those things too heavily. It's weird. But, um, and again, not everyone has PCs, so not everyone can say, well, I've had access to this. Right. And a lot there are people I know that like, you know, they sold their old system to get the new system and there's probably people that would really like to be able to still play Assassin's Creed games on the on the PS4 even though they got rid of their PS3 or their 360. So that makes sense. It's just I can only presume that there was not a very difficult remastered job because it you know, it well, actually, had the PC version already to build off. Right. Of. And then and then on the flip side that makes me wonder, okay, what are these things going to look like? You know, most remasters are pretty good. If Bluepoint does a remaster, you can, you're in good hands, I would say. They're, they're pretty much the masters of the remaster. Um, but I don't think it's unfair to say that it's, it's smart to be skeptical of Ubisoft ports in yeah. general. <laughs> I think that's a really good assumption. Anyone yeah. who was unfortunate enough to pick up the Prince of Persia collection will know that, yeah. uh, which was a disaster. It was, um, yeah. And, like... Part of me is just sort of like, well, I think, you know, as much as I would like to go back and play these things again, I'm going to wait and see what those reviews look like. Because yeah. I would, I will not go back and play them. I just, I don't have time to play stuff like If that I did I go back played. and play them, I would play my copies on Steam that I got for, you know, in a bundle for, like, you know, ridiculously low prices because it's going to look either the same or better. Yeah. So why not? But, I mean, it's cool that they haven't forgotten about Ezio. It's nice to, you know, see the series sort of like... It's probably just like a, a, a chance to kind of be like, Hey, remember Assassin's Creed? There isn't one this year, but remember when it was good? That looks like that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't have a game this year, so let's just put out the old ones. I mean... It makes sense. They're the ones to put out. I mean, that was one of the big questions on uh, Pactor Factor this week. And uh, we, that's actually segues nicely because also kind of announced yesterday is that EA is open to the idea of remastering Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. That's a long way out. It's money. I mean, ultimately, that's what it really comes down to, is it's easy money for these publishers. They can pay some little poorhouse like Bluepoint to build these games on mm-hmm. a shoestring budget, spend a five, ten million dollars, and I mean, they'll I am, make hundreds I would be of millions off of them. all over a Mass Effect remaster, especially the because... The first one. All of them. Or you mean all of them? All three of them. Because, first off, they need to be unified... Second, the DLC never goes on sale on Origin, barely. I mean, they did a, it did real quick for a, like a couple months ago that I, I scooped it up for Mass Effect 2 and all that. Um, but it's just so hard to get them all in one place. Mass Effect 3 is not on Steam. Mass Effect 1 and 2 are. Like, it's... Uh, yeah, the release for these that franchise has been all scattershot. Then you have, like, the Wii U stuff. Yeah, the that... Wii U version of 3. And, then yeah. the, and I just... I would love to have... You know, a version that is just the Mass Effect trilogy in one, one thing. Maybe well, not one don't disc. Think on one disc. Like, <laughs> maybe one file. You open it up, pick which you know the, the save files transfer over automatically. Maybe they can fix that Conrad Vernier. I'm really uh, that, that works, but maybe you can fix that. I mean, I don't mean the old save files. I mean like you can just play through it in that oh, trilogy you. thing, and yeah. like you don't have to. Imp- you know, stuff is just all sort of self-contained. But it's yeah. just having everything there, sort of in one place, would be nice. Uh, yeah, with some updated textures, because particularly Mass Effect 1 is an ugly See, game. See, to me, that's um, the one that needs remastered. Well, Mass I don't Effect, know about the other two, though. Uh, the others could use uh, an upgrade. Not like the first one, but like the yeah. first one needs a full texture overhaul, 
Um, it needs controller support, which it still doesn't have. You have to use user, you know, community-made hacks to yeah, do that. Which is um, insane. I mean, I know they wouldn't do it, but it, like, I would love to see Mass Effect One redone like two and three. Yeah. Like, just take you know, take the the story and everything remains the same, but you just redo the gameplay and the and the game. That'll never look happen. That, that would be way too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, look—they stand to make a lot of money off of these. I don't know if it would be too much. Look, if, like, I, well, I also don't think they've even started. Yeah. So we'd be talking about something. Well, maybe yeah, they've only said that like they're open to it, which right. actually, for me, I think I like a little more because that means there's more time that's going to pass before these come out. Because yeah. I think there needs to be more time. I've said it before that games from last gen do not need to be remastered. Like, just go back and play them. And now with backwards compatibility on Xbox One and everything, like. I just don't understand why people are playing these games and paying, in some cases, more. Not always. A lot of times, you'll get like the three games for like eighty bucks or whatever. Well, I think you're. I think you're running into sixty. I think you're running into a situation where a lot of people are finding uh, the offerings of this generation to be subpar in a lot of ways, and there's going to be a lot of people going back to play their favorites yeah. from last gen. And I mean that that backwards compatibility. I mean, what is that up to? They said 143 million. Yeah. Hours played of backwards compatibility on the Xbox yeah. One, that's a lot. And that backwards lot. compatibility has a notorious reputation as being something that most people don't use up I until this generation. I would also say, though, we are talking about Xbox One. And Xbox One hasn't exactly provided as, as many compelling True. experiences for, as far as new experiences are concerned, compared to the PlayStation 4. That's so. true. But it is, but there's also, I think, the appeal that you can play those backwards compatible things and use the Xbox One streaming service. For sure, yeah. Um, which is a much, you know, you don't have to hook up an, an Elgato or whatever. Um, it's and and there's a market for. It's almost like the same reason they're making Andromeda with the Mass Effect logo on it is because, like, hey, like, are you more likely to look at a brand new game you've never seen before? It's like, are you more than like, hey, someone's playing Mass Effect. Let's see. Let's. I'll I'll watch that for a little bit. Right. And who knows how many people get suddenly stuck watching somebody do a live stream of that. Um, it makes sense. And uh, it's funny that EA hasn't jumped on the bandwagon, but I'm, I'm excited to see that they, it they, like it is they, they do. Not ju- because it's even a lot of money on the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I would I'm buy a stockholder. I'm like, hell yeah, you put yeah, that you damn do it, especially out. if it's taking this long to get Andromeda out, for God's sake. Maybe Which you might want... still wasn't shown yeah. in Gamescom. At some point, maybe you might want to remind people what that series is, you know, because... It's been years. At this point, they may be able to get those remasters done before Andromeda. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mass Effect 3 was four and a half years ago. I know. Well, it's funny, too, because people have accused EA of being, like, money grubbers all this time, and they're actually the one publisher that isn't doing this yeah. and cashing in on these the old games. The only retro EA stuff, really, is uh, through GOG, and yep. that's real retro. I mean, yeah. you know, no Talking one... Talking old Command and Conquer. Yeah, no and... one's cashing in on Starflight. Yeah. <laughs> 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 They'll do the same thing with VR they do with remasters. They'll jump yep. in late. And they'll they'll do... let everyone else make all the mistakes. And what it looks like they're doing with the NX. Yeah. You're right. Well, they did mention today, EA did, that it's thinking about yeah, the NX. It sure looks like it might be a good thing. That's it. Maybe. It's, it's, like, it's like the absolute most diplomatic way to say, like, if it's successful, we'll put some Madden FIFA on it, whatever. You know? Well, they probably would not put Madden on it, actually. Maybe not. They typically don't put out Madden for an Nintendo although, consoles like, I, if they're wavering on the console. Although I have to think, um, having your own... That was one of the great things about uh, NFL 2K on the Dreamcast was you had your own screen for play calling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always liked that a lot. So yeah, yeah. it's funny that on like DMU. Yeah, but then again, who knows what the other controllers are like on the NX? Just yeah. like the Wii U, like one person had the cool controller, everybody else had, had to use last gen. Yeah, controllers. yeah, you're absolutely right. So 
We'll see. Still not a fan of remasters, but I understand that there are people out there who are young still and maybe didn't mm. get a chance to play I think this Mass film. Effect 1 uh, would justify it, even yeah. if they didn't do the other two. A Mass Effect 1 remaster would be handy. So, did you get a chance to check out any of the Sea of Thieves gameplay that's uh, been coming out of Gamescom? I did not. We're finally getting big chunks of the game that kind of shows what's going on. I watched it for a while at E3, but yeah. I haven't seen anything new. Um, basically, the game is exactly what we thought yeah. it was. There's really nothing all that unique that was shown off at Gamescom. And that way, I guess I'm maybe a little disappointed. I think it still looks like a cool and a fun game. Uh, instruments are a much bigger part of the game than I ever thought that they were. Yeah, there's a lot of music playing in this yeah. game. Because pirates are musical musical men. I was not women. aware of that, actually. but Sea shanties are the core of the pirate experience, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah. As I, anyone who played Black Flag can tell you. Yeah. I feel like my interest in this game has gone like up and down and up and down. And now it's kind of back down again. Like It just doesn't look like there's enough meat to the gameplay in this game. Mm -hmm. And that's something that typically Rare has been great with. So I'm a little surprised. Maybe this is, maybe we're seeing the first chinks in the armor of the new Rare. Well, it's, this is almost the first real game they've made in that right. long. And uh, it looks like a lot of the people that made Rare what Rare was are making ukulele. Which so. looks amazing, so... I guess we'll see. Yeah. Maybe you little... maybe need to stick some googly eyes on those pirate ships. I'm just saying. <laughs> How funny would that be? you got a pedigree to live up to here, guys. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, look, I get the whole multiplayer cooperative element of it and how that could be really fun and exciting. But you know what I've also found is that, like, you see modes like this and they seem really great when you're watching trailers or gameplay footage that's all staged, which is what we've seen so mm. far of this game. When the game gets out in the wild, though, and you don't have six friends who are on Xbox Live, mm -hmm. when you want to play and you have to just play with a bunch of randoms, like, it generally sucks. Yeah, that's why I'm because really... Because you just get griefers and people who just want to ruin everyone else's time. Yeah, and well, like, that's why I'm really, like, hard lobbying all my Star Trek friends to get a PlayStation VR headset so I have <laughs> someone to play the Star Trek bridge crew thing with. Well, I'll have it. Yeah, but it's, I'm just saying, like, that seems... You know, a lot of these games, especially the games that are all about co-op, and all about, I mean, Overwatch as well. Like, playing that with random sucks. Like, yeah. Like, if, if it's all about working together and, and kind of, like, knowing the game and knowing what you need to do and how to support each other, like, you have to have a group of regular people you're playing with, or that game's just not going to live up to what it can be. Almost every game is like that, though, really. Like, League of Legends is like that, too. You yeah. have one bad teammate, it just ruins it for everybody. Literally, you just, you lose. You have one person out of your team that decides that they want to be a jerk, you lose. And the way that game is set up is that, like, unless somebody drops out before the game starts, you have to wait for the 20-minute mark before you can even surrender. Mm -hmm. So you're forced to play through this 20-minute time of game knowing that you're just going to surrender at the end. It's just, it, it sucks. And it happens with every game that where you have teams. It's like, you know, the bigger the team the less issues you have with it. Mm -hmm. But if you have a game where it's like four or five people working together, one person like doesn't do their job. In this game especially, where you need like one guy manning the guns and one guy driving the ship and another guy on lookout. Like, if you have one person who isn't doing their job in this game, it could totally suck. And trying to organize people, especially at our age, where everyone doesn't have a ton of time to just sit around and play games all the time. It's very patchwork and spotty. It's like, you know, for us... We dedicate time to it because it's what we do. But to all our friends who have other jobs and just play games when they can, and maybe they have kids or whatever, like it's pretty much impossible to get 
five or six of our friends together to play a game mm -hmm. at once at the same exact time. Like so, maybe the first week of a big maybe, release. Maybe the first like two days the mm -hmm. game comes out is what I found. Like in that time just keeps getting smaller and smaller. It used to be a week. Yeah. Like six years ago it was a week. It seems like every year you chop a day off of that until now it's like launch night maybe mm -hmm. you can find like six or seven people on to play with. The next night there's three or four the next night after that, and then on, it's just scattershot. Yeah. So, and then sometimes I have a thing, it's like, where is whoever? Because they were always here, and then, like, you go over to the Xbox One, watching TV. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So, I'm a little nervous about this game. It's funny that I'm way more excited for kind of the next game from the splinter of Rare than I am for Rare proper, but like you said, it hasn't really made a proper game in... Been a while. ...a long time. What was the last proper game it made? Was it Cameo? Nuts and Bolts? Yeah, I guess Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, yeah. I mean, then they had to start making the Which bottom. Which I was incredibly disappointed in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had to start making the bottom of Avatar shoes. After yeah, that. and they got into the Bam. whole, like, connect, like, sports yeah. stuff and all connect that. Connect the moles and yeah. all that stuff. And that was it. I mean, yeah. I guess Viva Pinata. Yeah, the Viva. I mean, One Rare Replay. Yeah. Collect I mean, that was a solid collection. Yeah, but it's not a new game. No, but they had to work on it. Yeah. But, uh... They did a good job, I thought. But uh, yeah, we haven't seen real output from a, you know uh, an actual game from them in forever. Yeah. And like when you start talking about online multiplayer, you're going back to like Perfect Dark Zero. Yeah. And mm. yeah. Yep. So for Honor, I know it's a game that you're really excited for. Um, yeah. Definitely more excited for it than I am. When they first showed the game. They showed multiplayer. That mm. was like the first thing that they showed. And then at E3, they kind of went and showed the campaign and said, hey, there's actually like single player in this. Now at Gamescom, they've kind of reverted back and they went back to showing multiplayer. Did you get a chance to watch any of the media for it? A little bit. What do um, you think of it? I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not as interested as the campaign. Yeah. Because, and here's the thing, I don't actually have any concrete ideas or examples of this, but like, I just feel like the combat system works real well in the single player and I feel like the like I feel like the multiplayer like people are gonna find ways to cheese this thing so hard that it's not gonna be fun to play it looks so damn boring like the video that they just put out like has like uh, I guess I don't know which class it is but it just has a huge freaking sword and it's just like for chank for chank for chank and then there's some guy standing next to him Watch it, watch it, and it just looks like this spammy cluster of nothing. Well, like the against actual humans, it'll be interesting because you always have to be on active guard about what direction things are coming from, and like taking the animation cues and all that kind of thing. So there's there's a lot of potential for strategy and depth to how this is going to work on a player versus player level. But my feeling is there's going to be some cracks in the armor or the foundation of this thing nice that are um, are going to like someone's going to figure out some way to make it so like oh if you do this certain move like this the the way the the game calculates the lag or the ping means that no one can react to it in time right or like uh, you know people are going to find ways to cheese this you know it's like it's like the way like I was excited you know I'm always excited for various things and it's like uh, like, like Battlefield where it was like 
oh, everybody's running across the veins. Like, you know, it's like war, and everybody's running up D-Day. And then, of course, you actually play the game, Omaha Beach, and everybody's dolphin diving. Everybody, yeah. you know, everyone's like... <laughs> and it's, it just looks ridiculous. But yeah. it's so effective, everybody has to do it. Yeah. And so I feel like For Honor is... I, I'm worried that For Honor is going to fall victim to something like that in multiplayer, where it's just like... Somewhere in there, there's going to be some... Like, the combat system is going to be something that's like... So it's like, you play it like this. But if you do this stupid thing, everyone's going to die. And everybody, and then everybody has to do this stupid thing. And then it's not fun anymore. It just looked boring as crap to me, watching the media coming out of Gamescom. Like, it looks good. Visually, it looks great. Um, I love the ideas behind the game. Everything I've read and, and saw about the multiplayer, it looks like they have the right idea... But one of the things that really attracted to me to this game in the first place was kind of the more strategic sword combat and how it wasn't, at least I mm-hmm. felt like, it wasn't going to just be about who could spam, like, the the fierce attack button the fastest. Well, it win. isn't. If you play, like, that's the thing is, I don't think this game, and I felt the same way about the E3 press conference videos and, and demo they did, where I don't think this game shows well yeah. in terms of like in terms of how it feels to play it no. like watching a video of it just doesn't get, get right. it across and this may be like the worst case scenario yeah. of that what they showed at games and maybe it might be that they were trying to make it seem more action-packed and more hack and slashy and by doing that they've ended up sort of making it just look brainless yeah um, but what i played was not brainless at all and makes me wonder how people who play things brainlessly are going to make it be brainless at the expense of the combat system. Like, I'm sure there's going to be some day one cheese moves that are going to just, like, ruin it for people. Yeah, I, That's I, usually I, an easy fix, though. You can just change a is. few frames here and there and get around that stuff. But I'm much... I mean, my focus is much more on the campaign on this game, because at least the AI plays by the rules. You're right. So. Yeah. Which is odd. Like, for me, I was first excited about the cam- or the multiplayer... And now I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm more excited to play the campaign. And I wasn't exci- as excited about the campaign as you were coming out of E3. I still thought it looked cool and fun. Uh, but another game that my interest is starting to dwindle a little mm. bit uh, in over time. So, Right there next to, uh, look, same day as Persona 4, 5. Yeah. So. That's fine. Yeah. Like, they're completely... Here's Persona 5. Yeah, but those are both games. Here's For Honor. Those are both games that you seem to be having uh, second thoughts about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, those are bo- and both on the same day, as you mentioned. Both so, on my birthday. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> That's great that a game that you're really excited for comes out on your yeah, birthday. Two of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess what will right. I do first? For Honor, probably. Will it be first? For well, yeah, because I'm pretty... Yeah, I know, what, you know, I know what we're getting in Persona You also 5. know you'll probably be able to finish For Honor in 10 to 15 hours, right. probably. For Honor is a weekend. Persona is like, I'll see you in March. Exactly. Like, yeah. uh, maybe. Because yeah. there'll be other stuff coming out, too, that'll sidetrack you a little bit here and there. I'll pl- yeah, well, also because that's February, and like, holy crap, February. Yeah, it's looking awesome. That's also yeah. my birthday month. We're Horizon Zero Dawn right on top of it. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we did things a little bit differently on this week's episode, but we are going to keep some things the same. For instance, we are still doing a trailer of the week this week, and just today, Blizzard put out another one of its amazing pieces of CG for Overwatch. And the irony of this is that I absolutely hate the character that it's based (laughs) on. Character is Bastion, and if you guys uh, have played Overwatch, then you know that he's the big robot with the big guns that can transform into a turret. I think the guy's cheap. I know people are going to write in the comments that, like, 
They're going to list 8,000 ways to counter the guy. I Get know, good. I know there's ways to counter Bastion. I still hate him. I hate that I have to think about ways just to counter this character. And I feel like Blizzard knows that there are lots of people like me who are not fans of Bastion because this trailer does everything it can to make you love him.
Look, they, I totally get it. They try to humanize him because he's a robot and whatnot. But, uh, and so I'll give him a pass for the moments that I watched that, mm -hmm. uh, that CG sequence. But I'm still not a fan of him in the game. In fact, I refuse to play as him in the game just out of um, principle. There are plenty of people who are fans of him. Oh, yeah, in for sure. Of you. It was a great piece of CG, though, by the way. That was really good stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, Blizzard always does the best. Without a doubt. So we're not live streaming, so we aren't taking questions out of the chat, but earlier today we did reach out to you guys for some questions, and you guys jumped on it real quick, and so we are going to answer them 
The first one is from Reveng. He didn't add the E Reveng. on the end. Hey guys, do you think if Microsoft has success with its Play Anywhere, will we see Sony and Nintendo follow the trend? I, I don't see how they could. Well, they could. Like, as in putting stuff on Windows? Yeah. I mean, they no. could build their own sort of Windows app. Nintendo, they could... Nintendo, they'll never do that. No, I agree. It'll never, never. happen. <laughs> no. But I also see Revang's point, like, Microsoft is kind of out ahead of the game here a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're... Like, it was also kind of mentioned today that, uh, you know, this would probably be the last console generation. You know, Microsoft mm. mentioned at Gamescom this week that, like, ge console generations are gone. And uh, we didn't hear that from Nintendo or Sony, mind you. Yeah, well, Microsoft can say a lot of things. Right. Uh, I remember we used Games are over yeah. a lot for a while there, too. <laughs> um, I don't think Microsoft gets to decide that. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see I mean, how I these... Could... I mean, certainly I think the idea of... There's an argument to be made that if Microsoft and Sony play its cards a certain way, the idea of generations having these discrete stop and start times and, and systems having specific numbers that designate a particular generation might be ending. Yeah, um, I think that is over. Yeah, it might be more of a cell phone model now. And then Nintendo might stick to it. Nintendo, who knows? I don't even. I don't even know. Like we, we don't know what Nintendo's going to do. We don't know enough about the NX, and yeah. how, you know, we don't know what, what it is, how it's going to work, how much it's going to cost, and how many it's going to sell, and what Nintendo's reaction to this one failing would be, or what Nintendo's reaction to this one succeeding would be. Like I don't know what they're going to do next. Yeah. Like, I don't know what their plan is. We have to see what this thing is. We have a pretty good idea, but like I would say in the immediate future, no, I don't think Sony or Nintendo would do it. But let's talk about like ten years from now. I mean, if the like, console just purely goes the way of like a uh, you know a compact PC box you can stick next to the television, it's kind of already gone there. Yeah, but like you know, it would have to be a situation where Sony, for some reason, thinks there's it's still worth it to court people with PCs who don't want consoles, and that will take a lot of convincing of that company. Yeah, because that. The, the you know they are always going to see that PlayStation brand as propping up that whole company, which it does I mean, right on, now, on the regular. Right now, it is the whole yeah. company. And uh, stepping away from that to kind of concede to Microsoft's OS for some of it is going to be a very different world for them. And I think it would take it would take a catastrophe for Sony to finally come around to that pivot. I think inevitably it's going to happen, though. It, I it think... probably will a decade from now. Yeah, um, unless things work out very differently than we're foreseeing or the way it's going right now. But in the short term, no way. Like, if you're saying, like, once... Yeah, if you're waiting for Bloodborne, like, no. Yeah, if, you're, not... if you're wondering, like, once the PlayStation Neo's life cycle has run its course, if that's something that's going to happen, no way. No. Like, they'll just do another hardware iteration. I, I, like Matt said, I don't see it happening for at least another 10 years. Want to read the next one? Um, let's see. Uh, we, won't do the, we just did the last console one, right? Uh, we kind of did. I mean, we answered the mm. top one from Revenge first. Right, but Tibble and Bits asks, what are your thoughts on Microsoft saying they want this to be the last console generation? Is it too soon? And uh, I don't think there's ever a time limit on stuff like that. Like No, well, I mean, I think it's going to change how people upgrade, and people might start skipping every other upgrade. Which is fine. As long as the compatibility remains the same, I mean, that changes the game. I mean, look, there's going to be people who did not buy an Xbox One who are going to buy a Scorpio. Mm -hmm. they're, 
might be a couple people who have not bought a PlayStation 4 that w are going to buy a Neo. Some people maybe who are going to get PlayStation VR a month or two after it launches. Like, why would you ever buy PlayStation VR and not buy the Neo? Mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't make any sense. So, If you don't already have a PlayStation, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and what we mentioned before is Microsoft has a built-in incentive to message this stuff, by yeah. the way. Because, because of Play Anywhere, which is what was the, pri yeah. the prior question was related to. The fact that they own a totally different platform that is never going away, yeah. whether they like it or not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Microsoft wants this to be the case. So, of, of course, it's going to message out, like, this is the way everything is going. Hey, look at us. Mm -hmm. We're doing it already. It's... You may not think that the stuff that people say in interviews, like these executives, is all planned. It's all planned. Like, it's all a part of a message that they mm -hmm. want to create. They sit down in meetings before they do interviews. They're like, yeah. what are the touch points that we want to hit on? Much they more so than, like, developer interviews and stuff. Yeah. Like, like you, know, you get coaching for the developers to, like, not look like idiots in front of a camera. Yeah. But if you're in an executive position at these major publishers, like... They have an objective oh, yeah. for sitting Before down. Before they go in there, they're reading something. They're saying, you need to talk about this, 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 and this, because this relates to something we're doing a year from now. This relates to our overall broader strategy. It's all according to plan, mm -hmm. without a doubt. So, the, yeah, Microsoft has a reason to spread stuff like this out there. Um, but at the same time, I agree with them. This is going to be the last. I think this is going to be... Like, as far as numbered consoles, like PlayStation 4, Xbox One, like, I don't think we'll ever see that again. Like, I don't think we're going to see PlayStation 5. Well, maybe we will. I think we'll because see PlayStation 5. Because it can be 5. used as, like, a marketing tool I as mean, well. there's still the iPhone 7. Yeah. Coming, you know. Because you have the, the S and right. all that, and the S Plus and all that stuff, but it's still, they end up mm -hmm. doing the next number. And you're, you're probably right. There'll be a PlayStation 5, probably. Will they ever get to the promised PlayStation 9 yeah. from that <laughs> PS2 commercial? Right. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny, too, that nobody could have had the foresight back then to realize how things were going. Then. Yeah. Well, apparently we're going to inhale the PlayStation 9. So. Well, Packer started talking about this stuff like a year and a half, two years ago, and people thought he was crazy, by the mm -hmm. way. Crazy. If you go back and read some of the comments on his initial statement about console generations going away, and it is, it's hilarious, because he was right, they were wrong, but nobody goes back and apologizes after the fact. So, uh, here's one from Arge. Uh, after No Man's Sky's Reddit post outlining all the things that are missing, do you think customers have been lied to? You kind of talked about this last week, but things have kind of changed bit. over the last week, because people actually went back and, like, collected like mm. everything he Sean Murray ever, ever said. said about the game and there is a lot of stuff that was a lot promised. of differences um no he we were not lied to yeah uh, I, because that's not what a lie is and a lie what, is a intentional deception and exactly. when developers mention things that don't end up in the final product when they say that they think it's going to be. Sometimes, sometimes some developers it's not, do lie, though. Well, some developers... There have been some developers I mean, that knew stuff wasn't going to be in their game. I don't think that's the case here. But. I don't think it's the case here. I don't think it's the case 99.9% .9 of the time. I don't even think Molyneux did that very often. What? I think the Molyneux thing, and I will never, will never get a, a straight answer out of him Maybe on it. Maybe someday. But I guarantee that most of that is he, was, he looked at a design doc early on, and that's what he thought the game was, and he wasn't really involved in the... But he's the he was the face. He was yeah. the person they put up there, and he would, like, say, oh, this, 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 and that was all probably true when they pitched it to him. Yeah. But now, you know, halfway through development, they're like, oh, this had to change, this had to be this. So, 
generally like no they're not because it's like why would you lie about that see, stuff because you're gonna everyone's gonna find out see, like it is, makes no sense to do that this is the one of the things i really hate about internet culture is everybody always assumes the worst it's like when we got robbed and everyone's like oh it's an inside job shane like robbed himself to mm-hmm. like fleece people out of money like they instead of just saying oh my god that sucks he got robbed and lost like everything they immediately jump to someone's trying to be a jerk and that's what's happened here instead of people being like well he had plans for the game it eventually had to come out and just like any other video game features ultimately got cut instead of just being like well he had a vision he didn't quite reach it it's like he lied to us oh you poor little baby you got lied to all marketing I is hate, lying to some degree. I hate that about the internet, man. And it's obviously not everyone. The man, in, the man, the original Men in Black trailer had five scenes in it that were not in the final movie. Was that a lie? Yeah. No, it was marketing. Marketing can be, but also like Murray, I don't think is doing that. It's like, are you? It's, it's not a lie. It's not a deception. It's just maybe his eyes were too big for his stomach on some of that. And, or it was probably a part most, of the design doc initially. Yeah. Most of the time, when developers say things like that that don't end up in the final game. When they say it, they are sure it's going to be in the final game. But at some point, things you're sure about in development turn out to be things that don't work properly. And I give and, a special exception for this game as well. Because right. this is a really ambitious game that you have literally like 10 or 15 people working on. Like, how hard is it to gauge mm-hmm. how but, much you can and can't get done? Like, It's probably very difficult. Know, who knows? How, you know, and they're still running into problems with with you know things that work or don't work, or why don't they work? I, right now, I have a system I need to jump into. It's got an Atlas interface, and it every time I lo- try to warp in, it crashes. Yeah. But why is that happening? I don't know. Like, you know, it didn't get fixed in the latest patch, and like, but do I think I got lied to? No. no. Like that was not what it happened. Wasn't lying and also, anybody. it's like. Where was the, you know, there's this, like, whole thing about the conspiracy. It's like, the game got, like, sixes and sevens for the yeah. most part. I mean, the, the media, here's the thing. Where's the big media payout bribe collusion on this one? Because <laughs> the previews were crazy positive, and everyone's like, eh, it's yeah. all right. You know, it, it isn't quite up to what we were hoping it was going to be. It's yeah. like, if that was happening, where was it? Where were the money hats on Where's this Where's all one? the payola, people? And the, the other thing is, like, <laughs> one of the things that I was disappointed wasn't in the game. No one seems to be talking about, yeah. which is the fact that um, in his demos of the game, even as recently as uh, the, the big press tour they did in April with IGN and all those, you know, like he always, he's talking about scanning and getting all the discoveries and stuff. And he's like, you have to get to the Atlas beacon to upload the discoveries or if you die, you lose all your discoveries. Right. And that is not how it works. Right. You just upload them from that menu, yep. and the beacons are basically nothing. They basically yep. tell you another place to go, yeah. and they don't have anything to do with anything. They're basically, like extra and I spots liked, for your right. And I like the idea of that tension of like, okay, I've scanned everything on this planet, but I gotta find one of those beacons to yeah. safeguard that information yeah. and get there, and that's gone. And I'm like, that was one of the elements that I thought sounded really cool, and it doesn't ruin the game, and it's not there yeah, for yeah. me. But they it's weird to me. More user friendly, right? Basically. But it's weird to me that like I haven't seen that complained about anywhere, and like I'm like that really was. Was something that was very recently brought up, and I don't. I care about that a lot more than whether the fucking planets rotate. Well, I think some people probably prefer to just be able to upload stuff without having to go to a beach. Yeah, I mean, probably. I get that, but I, I wish there was like an option. I don't yeah. know. That, that game has a long way to go still, and, and it could be like Destiny, where a year from now it's an yeah. entirely different game. Could be like Destiny or a Minecraft. Yeah. I realize Minecraft was stated definitively to be early access or beta yeah, yeah. or alpha, and only cost nineteen bucks. But at the same time. If you just waited and looked at the reviews, 
I think the reviews on No Man's Sky would have steered you pretty right. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a lot of reviews that felt like they were unnecessarily forgiving the game for its shortcomings. Not at all. All right, let's get to the next one, Grim. Uh, with Sony and Microsoft releasing the Neo and Scorpio presumably in March near the NX, is it a planned date to steal some thunder and sales from the market share before the NX release? I don't think the Scorpio is coming out then. I don't either. I think Scorpio is uh, coming Scorpio's out in Q4 fall, probably yeah. next year. Neo, but maybe? To the question of Neo. Yeah, we don't know about the Neo. Like, it could be anywhere, frankly. Um, but announced if it, in like a couple weeks. A, announced a couple weeks, released in October, that could happen. Yeah, you know? it could. Although if you listen to Pactor, he doesn't think that's possible. But no. It, it, it could happen. I mean, I would say March is probably the most likely release. Mar- I mean, March. I mean, I'm sure it's it's a nice bonus to stick it to Nintendo there a little bit, but I'm sure most of that would be we want to release it this financial year. Yeah, that's well, that's probably all it would be because most financial quarters end at the end of March, and yeah. so Sony would want to get at least a couple weeks of sales in there to keep its stockholders happy before uh, the quarter closes. Um, is there? Do you think there's any other nefarious kind of? undercurrents going on there? Do you think that maybe that's the double whammy? They're like, we need to get it in under the quarter, but also, you know, we do need to stave off maybe this Nintendo thing a little bit? I feel like Sony does not care one bit what Nintendo does. I agree a thousand percent. It does not care. It is so dominant right now. It does not care what Nintendo does at all. It doesn't care what anybody does right now. It's it's playing its own game, and it's winning it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it would be dumb, actually, I feel like, for Sony to even... Base any of his strategy yeah, it's a waste around of what anyone else is doing. Uh, it knows its release schedule as far as games and things like that, and what are coming out. It knows what products are going to take the best advantage of Neo, and uh, that'll be what's going to be most interesting to me when they unveil Neo. Is what are they going to show with it? Mm-hmm. Are they just going to show Uncharted Four, but 4K, like, or is and, and how be... do you show that effectively right. through the internet? Right. It's like the cameras we're shooting on right now are 4K cameras, but so what? Yeah, like, the video is 720p because that's what... I would never shoot anything in 4K. One, like every minute of 4K video is like right. a gig. Like literally like on my like 64 gig card in that camera right now, like I could record probably 10 minutes of footage before that card's like full. It's just not practical. And you don't so. want to see us in 4K. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. I would say though that, you know, they put out 4K footage of a Forza Horizon 3 and while I was watching it in 1080p, I could still see the difference mm-hmm. in the 4K footage. Well, that, I mean, that is a definite thing. It's like I, on you know, No Man's Sky, I'm actually running it at 3K and downsampling it to 1440p. Right. Because it, you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah, if, you can yeah. run, if you can run it at a higher resolution and then downsample, yeah. do it. It, wor- it matters. But there could be a game that Sony has had in development that is fully prepared to take advantage of Neo. And maybe, you know, what it's determining when Neo comes out based upon when that game is going to be finished. So mm-hmm. I don't think Sony's looking at anything that any other publisher or developer is doing right now. It's running its own race and it's winning it. So the next one. Substance 104 asks, what is your hype level for Sony's Neo conference? And do you think Nintendo will show the NX in September? What did you make of Microsoft's lack of confidence in the Windows 10 store with Quantum Break? Three questions there from yeah. Substance. Hype level for Sony's Neo conference. Yeah. Nah, I'm really not that excited I mean, I'm, for it. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna get one, but yeah, like, yeah. I don't. You know, it's, it's like here's the new thing. It's slightly more powerful. It's shiny. Like yeah, well, yeah. You, it's not. It's not like a 
system reveal. Right? You know, it's not like the NX reveal. Right. It's not like the first time you show a console and it's like, here's the library of all these games, mm-hmm. and or even like what we got with like PlayStation VR. Like, it's not. I don't think it's going to be up to that level. I think they're going to show it. They're going to maybe show, like I said, one game that they built specifically with it in mind to show what it can do, and then show the back catalog to see how it improves it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't expect it to be like this huge, like two-hour blowout. I think it'll probably last like thirty minutes or something like that. Um, I don't yeah. think it's going to be that big of a deal. I could be wrong. I mean, they could turn it into an hour or something like that. But I would. But be I think really be like, shocked. here's the thing. Here's the specs. Here's what it does. Here's a game. Here's the multimedia features that you know work with our 4K TVs. Please buy a Sony TV. Please buy a Sony TV. Please buy a Sony TV. Here's the price. Here's the release date. See ya. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a 30 minute. And it may even do like the here's our new line of 4K televisions to go with it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not that excited for it. Uh, do you think Nintendo will show off the NX in September? They better, or <laughs> that thing's not coming out in March. Exactly. I think, uh, I think it, it will because yeah. it is one. It's sticking to its March release date. It hasn't fudged on that at all. And it's, the rumors are kind of leaking at the right pace to think that September is yep. when we're getting this. They were starting to get leaks from uh, from parts manufacturers and assemblers in China and other countries talking about how their business has suddenly ramped up. Uh, companies that are rumored to be working with Nintendo on its new hardware. All signs are pointing to, yes, it should be unveiled mm-hmm. next month, and it's still coming out in March. Um, and then what did you make of Microsoft's lack of confidence in the Windows 10 store with Quantum Break? Uh, duh. <laughs> I don't think it really has that much to do with its lack of confidence in the Windows 10 store. Yeah, it's just you'll sell more copies of that game if you yeah. open the floodgate. There. What really happened, I think, is that Quantum Break has basically tanked and is not sold up to the investment Microsoft has mm-hmm. put in it, and it's just like, look. You're going to get this thing in front of more eyes during the Steam sales for the rest of the year yeah. than like, keeping it on the Windows 10 store. Yeah. It just I, makes... think, I think that's really the big story. And I there. think the other thing is like because of that Windows 10 store not being tremendously enthusiastically adopted, there's a lot, probably a lot of PC gamers who have forgotten that game even exists. Yep. So if you can throw that thing in front of their eyeballs a couple of times on a service they actually use, probably good for it. Yeah, I think Microsoft counted on selling a lot more copies for Xbox One than it did, yeah. meaning that the sales on Windows Store would just be gravy on top of the money it made on Xbox One. And since it, it didn't completely tank on Xbox One, but it didn't sell anywhere near as much as what I thought it was going to before I played it anyway... Um, and I think now Microsoft is just like in scramble mode, trying to do whatever it can to get as many sales out of the investments they put in it as possible. So that's that one uh, from Dimp Digital. Do you prefer the mystery of procedural generation or handcrafted level world design that has been built from the ground up by hand? Uh, well, here's the thing: nobody builds them by hand. Like yeah. Skyrim's map is 97 or so percent procedurally generated. Yeah. Like. You generate the thing, you say, this is a forest, this is but a thing, this is a... and then you go in and you hand mold and handcraft the cities and the things where quests happen. And I mean, But there's a difference, though. Those games, like Skyrim, they're not procedurally generating them on the piece of hardware that's sitting underneath your television. Right. That's procedurally generated by the developer and then just put onto the disc. Right. So, yeah, like, they randomize the world. Like, if you have a bunch of wilderness, they're not going to handcraft, yeah, like, nobody's planting every little tree. rolling hill. and No one's telling a story with the rocks in right. the Skyrim forest uh, or the dust in the Mad Max world. Right. In that but game. I think he's, what but, he's talking about here is the game that literally does it with your GPU and CPU that's sitting underneath your television. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, here's the thing about, like, No Man's Sky is while I think the, uh, the animal pieces and the, the stones and the, and the, um, plants, like, you know, I've seen most of what, although there's, I'm still a couple, I found butterflies. Yeah, once in a while you'll found butterflies, and I was yeah. like, and I saw that, uh, earlier, uh, this morning, I ran into a planet where, uh, there was a serial killer dinosaur creature <laughs> that ran around. I've never seen. I'd seen once another creature kill another creature. I've and seen this them guy, like, snipe at each other a little. This bit. guy ran around murdering every everything <laughs> he found, and I'm wow. like, what? The, it was. It was like, and his his temperament was was called unpredictable. Wow. And he ran around killing everything. It's the most I've seen. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, the place I I think that that's kind of repetitive. I feel like I've sort of seen most of what it has to offer in that regard. The yeah. one place I don't think that it lets down in that in that sense, the topography and geology of those planets is always interesting. Yeah. Um, there's always there's canyons and weird rocks and weird formations and the way things flow and the way and like the plains versus there's mountain. You know, it's all one biome, but they do a diff, like the, they create an interesting geolo geology and geography to play in. Uh, there's not a lot to do in yeah. that, which is kind of part of the game's problem. But, like, in terms of the procedural generation, like, whatever they're doing there, I just, I feel like they, they need to have more game in there, more things to do. But that's separate from the procedural generation situation. Yeah. The procedural generation, whatever, needs more pieces to yeah. play with. But what they're doing is, like, on some level in terms of, like, just, you know, because sometimes in, like, something like Skyrim or Fallout, I just enjoy going over that hill and seeing what's over the hill. And yeah. I get, I, I think it's just as satisfying in No Man's Sky to be doing that, even though what's over the hill in No Man's Sky is generally not as interesting as what is actually over the hill in Fallout. Right. What's over the hill in No Man's Sky looks exactly, almost it's another hill. exactly like what you just <laughs> walked over. But it, sometimes it's a beautiful moon, moon Every ride. once in a while. Every but once think, in a while. I think part of it is that, why that game actually has an impact in those moments is because you've done it a bunch of times and it, there wasn't that impact. So you're almost like, thank God, like I finally came over like a horizon and saw something mm. different. Well, that's exploration. Yeah. That's for you. I mean, most yeah. of the time it's nothing, but when that means when it is something, that it makes, makes it an more impact. special. But uh, specifically for No Man's Sky, I would say personally, I would have preferred to have... 300 planets that were hand-built than billions and billions of planets that were constructed randomly with an algorithm. Um, I think there's going to be another game for you then that I does hope. that. I hope. That would be great. Well, in theory, Elite Dangerous is going to have something similar. I mean, they've got nothing more Elite than Elite Dangerous is too sterile for me. Like, it doesn't have enough character. Like, a lot That's of those space-faring, like, Well, my problem with Elite Sims, Dangerous like, is that I don't... so rigid and just... Well, my problem with the Elite Dangerous is that uh, I don't want to babysit a throttle. For right. All, all and there's like too that. much sim stuff involved. Yeah. Right. But there's like, another, there's like another the... one that's that's been I think Im Imperion or something like that. That's been it's an it. early access indie game that has been uh, it's basically no man. It, it's been described as no man's sky with a game in it. Um, and it's kind of the same idea. I don't know how far along it is. I haven't played it. I've seen it pop up as a recommendation if you think No Man's Sky is too empty of content. Yeah. And that you can build like a mothership and a base in the orbit and use that and stuff. And but otherwise, it's kind of the same idea. Yeah. Um, so that I mean, I think uh, the success of No Man's Sky and it has been successful, no question. I mean, the, oh, yeah. sales wise, and oh, it's, it's, it's the it, biggest launch on Steam or the second biggest launch on Steam of the year, yeah, right? In terms of consecutive. Uh, you know, concurrent players, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so I think you will see more of this, and I think you will see someone attempt 
what you're talking about. We're like, we're not going to make an infinite universe that no one can ever see all of. But you know, let's let's say someone made a game where they procedurally generated you know a thousand planets and handcrafted stuff to happen on each one of them. Yeah. Are you going to see all those thousand planets? No, probably not. Probably not. I don't think yeah. so. That's a lot of planets. Yeah, I think that's and the thing. Is, oh, no Man's Sky is just overkill. Like, you don't need whatever, that many planets. It is overkill, but it's like, <laughs> on one hand, I'm kind of glad it's there yeah. in that regard. You know, there's, 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 I'm glad somebody tried to do it, if anything, to kind of I prove mean, whether it could work or not. Penny Arcade had a pretty good you know, observation in, that, in their No Man's Sky comic, where it's like, you are, the, you are my creature, no other conscious being will ever see lay eyes on you. And I do not give a shit. Yeah. Um, sometimes yeah. I do give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the, but most of the time, yes, it's just, you know, I try to name every... This is my exercise to remind myself of what I'm doing and, and how hard it's becoming to sort of see the differences between things in this game after all this time. Yeah. Is I'm trying to name... Every, I don't name the Something's rocks and the plants, but time. I try to name every animal something unique. Yeah. And it's getting hard, yeah. man. You can only name... The, the you know the four legged things with the two extra limbs on the bottom of the foot the twinkle toed cow beast are in variation Speaking so many of which, times. Your 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 Swagosaurus Rex has turned into like oh, a blown pop up. culture phenomenon. Blowing up. I can't believe no one's like reached out to you for like an interview or something at this point. Like it's just I don't crazy. Know. It's Call so me Klepek. How one little YouTube video has just become so huge. It's, it's awesome. well, it's funny because it's like it's being used by both haters and lovers. Oh yeah. Because like the haters are like, look, um, like, look how ridiculous this is, and the lovers are like, this thing's look hilarious. How awesome. yeah. I mean, I put it up because I think it's legitimately funny. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, it is. Funny. It is tra- and and you know, they that was that one video where the guy played you know the Jurassic Park theme on the E3 trailer. Yeah. And the terrible harmonica cover of the theme with the Swagosaurus. Yeah. I think that's hilarious it is, because yeah. it's it is absolutely a true observation of the game. Yeah. And do I think that makes the game shit? No, yeah. a lot of people do, but I think those yeah. people are just being overly judgmental. But yeah, or I haven't. Just I have not seen sports. anything resembling that trailer in this game. I haven't seen a single sauropod resemble anything no. of any, let alone anything that big. But not, that body type doesn't seem to be in the game. Well, just and I've seeing... never seen a rhino come charging through the brush, knocking trees to its side. So, I mean, there's I've a lot of stuff in that, that trailer. I've never seen different there. creatures on the same shot before. I have seen. I've seen two. No, I've next. I've seen five. Really? In one area. Wow. I've gotten some pretty yeah, good. Lucky. Heard You've played it a ton, though, but at so. the same time, like they don't do anything coherent. You know, like, like in that trailer, like the little things are drinking at the river, right, which is you yeah. know, rivers are not really in the yeah. game. I've seen rivers, but they're like clearly accidentally, like right. the procedural, procedural generation stuck a, a ribbon of water there. <laughs> or yeah, that's one of the big. Th- I mean, I know they're they're fixing technical stuff, but that ga- that game needs flowing water. So so badly yeah. for waterfalls and just a more dynamic yeah. way of creating sort of how I don't see that works. ever happening. Hey, if Minecraft can do it. Yeah, we should move on though. Uh, let's see. Last question from Elric: Worst console controller of all time? The Atari, the Atari Fifty Two Hundred. And yeah. I say the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Hang on, <laughs> I lost my microphone. Because the Atari Twenty Six Hundred had two jobs: have an analog stick and one button. And it couldn't even do that. Like, Did you ever play the Atari 5200? I have, yeah. Because that thing... No, it's bad. I mean... Atari 2600... Whatever. whatever the, the answer is Atari something. Yeah. Like, one way or the other. <laughs> I'd say either the 5200 or the Jaguar were the worst controllers I ever used. The only reason I'm really banging on the 2600 is because the analog sticks 
were just made out of complete crap. Like it was a hollow tube of plastic with a rubber sleeve over top of it. And oh, so, the, joy, the joystick. Yeah. yeah and so it just snaps off. And like ultimately, like my dad bought me like three of them. Eventually, he just started buying bolts that he would just screw yeah. into the bait, and I would play it with a bolt. So, we never, we never broke one, but the the rubber thing came off yeah, all the time. All you ended up just with that white plastic. I, thing. I broke so many of those, and you know, it was because it was so simple. You had a button and a stick, and they still couldn't get that right. That's my pick. I definitely go with the 5200 because nothing nothing worked right, and it had that giant like keypad thing, yep. and that was you had to put a different inner overlay on each one. Just like in television, and, yeah. and just like television tele- was pretty bad. That was too, pretty actually. bad too, <laughs> and a lot of those early ones. Because and then if you controlled in television games with a gold disc, yeah, it literally had no direction. It was like multi-directional, so you just were like I don't even. It was, it was so super insane. strange, and then. The Jaguar was like the resurrection of the 5200 controller with the weird, right. the, di- the you know, the phone number dialing yeah. pad on it, and all, and it was just the flimsiest thing you could. Uh, Atari's controllers blow. Like that's just yeah. there's no way around. All the Atari controllers are bad. Yep. And uh, but if you're, and if you're talking like total mainstream stuff, uh, I hate the DualShock. Like until the DualShock 4. Yeah, I hated it. Too. I don't like I didn't like any of the DualShock except I like the Dual Analog, which everyone forgets before the shock. The dual analog was the, was Sony's controller with no rumble in it, between the normal digital controller and the and the DualShock. I don't came remember out, that. Came out for Gran Turismo. I I bought it. Didn't it. still have the same stick placement and stick no. height. Had the same stick placement and stick height, but the sticks were concave. No. And the and the, the handles and the, the handles were longer. Uh, it was a much yeah, more yeah. comfortable controller, and you had to press the thing to like switch from analog to digital. It couldn't do the same thing. But I got it for um, Colony Wars to play Colony Wars. And it was great. And then they stopped making it like that and put out the DualShock when that when they added Rumble. And that's when the, the sticks stopped being concave and they became the mushroom sticks. And I always found those very uncomfortable. It makes no sense whatsoever yeah. to have a rounded analog stick. No but, uh, but they fixed that with the PlayStation 4. So. PlayStation 4 controller I love. Very good. Very I good like controller. Xbox One too. All the controllers out right now are, are great. I'm even totally cool with the Wii gamepad. I didn't like the one X, my launch Xbox One controller tried to kill me. So I don't, I don't like that one very much. But yeah. uh, the, the one I replaced it with is much better. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. One big announcement before we go tomorrow morning or today, depending on when you're watching this. The show probably will go up a little earlier than Game Face usually does um, because we're actually recording it earlier in the day. Uh, But tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, achievements go live. So they are done, perfected. They've actually been done for a couple days. We just wanted to work out a couple last kinks and just make sure everything works smoothly and test it thoroughly. Everything is good to go. So achievements live on Sifted, Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So, and at that point, Sifted will be feature complete. Cruise wow. and achievements were the last things to be added, and crews have been up for a while. So, feels really good to finally hit this milestone. Finally, the spec doc that I handed Brent on the very first day we met, everything on that doc has now been completed. So. Kudos to Brent, and congratulations to Brent. He's worked really hard on the site and done an amazing job. Uh, congratulate him in the comments. I know it'll mean a lot to him. You may not think, but it really will. So make sure you mention what a great job he did and thank him for all his hard work. And uh, that's it. Everybody have an excellent weekend. Game Face Freestyle is up and out. Yeah.